Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Landon Barrios, and this is By the Campfire with the Barrioses. I'm at it again, y'all. I'm at it again. I got a very special guest. I know I say it all the time, but I do. I have a very, very special guest. It's actually a family member. I know I've had family members on, but this is a more important one. This is the only type of family member I got, which is my brother-in-law, Jeremy Bowers. <laughs> What's going on, man? How's it going? Doing good. Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, you've been my brother-in-law for how many months now? I don't even know. Since November. Since November. What day did y'all get married? Do you even remember? Fourteenth, I think. No, November fourteenth. So, yeah. and y'all got married really quick. You know, I mean, y'all. You know, you and Elena. Yeah, we we met at Trent's graduation. Trent's graduation. His associate in music. At yeah. Texas Baptist Institute, and uh, like two weeks later, I started texting her, mm-hmm. and uh, we were married in November, and had a baby two weeks later. Pregnant, pregnant, <laughs> oh, pregnant, yeah, pregnant December. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, let's. The conception happened after the wedding. That's right. Yeah, let's that. let's not get that confused here. You know, obviously, some church members counting dates. There you go, <laughs> and dad too. <laughs> no, Jeremy, um. You know, you're you're a young man. You're you're now a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, once a preacher, a Bible um, student in seminary. Um, you're you're a pastor now. So I would like to go, if if that's okay, go through your life of being a young man because I got a lot of young guys out there that are listening. I mean, the majority of my listeners are about sixty percent female and forty percent male. And I have about almost 700 people listening at the ages, in between the ages of 18, excuse me, and 32. <clears throat> That's my range. And so I was wondering, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, it would be a great idea to have a conversation with somebody about their life, about, you know, what it was like when they were young, what it was like growing up in a Christian home or not a Christian home, mm-hmm. what it was like getting saved, what's it like going through seminary, what's it like getting married, what's it like getting to that place where you're almost a father, which technically you are a father now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no shadow of doubt about that. Even though he's not ready, he's, he's unborn, I mean, you are a father now. So with your permission, I would like to, I don't want to say interview, but talk to you. Because, you know, you and I, you know, and I just thought of this just now, we've really never really sit down and talk. I mean, I think with this podcast, this would be the longest conversation you and I would have, just me and you, without yep. everyone being around. You know? True. So, I, and so everyone gets to hear, you know, <clears throat> you know, the first time we really get to sit down and drink a cup of coffee and talk. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I, I want to ask you a couple questions, like the list of going down, but I don't want to bombard you. If there's something uncomfortable that you don't want to say that's perfectly fine, we, we, we don't got to talk about it. I just want to talk to you about your life, being a young man, growing up in this world, becoming a pastor. Jeremy, the first question I have for you is, what was your childhood like? Were you, were you involved in church? Were you not involved in church? Um, did you struggle as a kid? Did you not struggle as a kid? Were you a popular? Were you not popular? You know, just little things like that. How was your childhood? Would you consider your childhood to be a good childhood or a bad childhood? Um, 
I would guess it's a bit of both good and bad in the sense that I had a good Christian family. Um, mom's school teacher, dad's a machinist at a Lufkin Industries. Yeah. I wasn't popular in high school, but I had friends. I grew up at Highway Missionary Baptist Church. Where uh, is that? What town is that? Hunting, in Huntington. Huntington. Okay. So, I guess one of the bigger ABA churches in that area. In the area. Yeah. And I grew up there for a good while. Then we moved to Or Missionary Baptist, where Keith Rose was my pastor. Mm-hmm. So I had good pastors in my life. I had a good family. Um, I had good, healthy adversi- adver- adversity that yeah. keeps me from, I guess, being arrogant in the yeah. future. But <laughs> I definitely was not popular in the sense of I definitely did not peak in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely was a late bloomer, and that carried with it its own depression and feelings of inadequacy. And but I guess those people kind of grew up either stronger than if they had had it all in high school, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and I was in public school. Well, I know you're homeschooled. But I was yeah. I was in public school. And do you think that changed you being? Because with me being homeschooled, you know, a lot of people said, you know, you you know, one guy he came up to me and he said, you know, you've never been you never been in a fight, have you? And I said, not really. I mean, not real ones. Not ones involved in other than family. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so do you think being in public school really changed you for the better, for the worse? Or what, what's your thoughts about that? Um. Well, I was in a... I know in court, you... you yeah, obviously, the public school y'all would have went to would have been Corsicana. Corsicana, yeah. I've heard it's a little bit different of a public school culture. It's more of like the... Um, homophobia training courses oh, yes, and that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, well, yes. Huntington was different. It was, no, I had three pastors who were teachers. And so it oh, was, really? it was a little bit, it was a little bit different. Like our government class was basically why you should be Republican. So <laughs> well, it was, a, it's a, a small, school. small country school. Yeah. Obviously they teach evolution. They teach what they have to, mm-hmm. but my biology teacher was a pastor wow. of a, of a BMA missionary Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And he taught both sides of the equation. He taught what he had to and what yeah. the Bible says. He said, this is what I believe. I believe creation and you know, you have two sides to pick from. Mm-hmm. And that's really the, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of us question at some point, is the faith of our fathers really ours? Yeah. And, you know, that's a good question my biology teacher asked us, which side are you going to pick? But I, I don't think, because um, I was, I don't know if you know my, my testimony, we can get more into that, but I, w- I did make a false profession of faith did when you? I was in... At Highway, when in fourth grade, I was not saved. Oh, so you were a kid. Yes, when I'm in my first. I've been baptized three times. I don't know if you saw that in ordination. I, yeah, I, I remember that. that. When they it asked was me an question. <laughs> I was baptized at Highway when I made my first profession of faith. Mm-hmm. I was led in prayer. And then it didn't stick. It was yeah. just it was just a, a slip and slide. Yeah. Well, I had one too. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was seven years old, um, two of my friends got saved. And baptized, and I wanted to be saved, and so I prayed the prayer. I did everything right. I mean, I, I mean, mm-hmm. just like anybody else, and I was baptized too. And when I was nine years old. We had a revival. Long story short, I realized that I wasn't mm-hmm. that I wasn't saved, and I got saved, and then I got baptized again. You know, so we all make those false professions. Yeah, and where I was going with that was, I eventually would manifest that I really wasn't saved by my lifestyle and my behavior. Yeah, because you know. A goat can only act like a sheep 
for so long before mm-hmm. I realized it's a goat and it falls away. And eventually, I, w- I was I stayed in church. I was active, thought I was saved, but I always thought something was different with my others in my youth group. Mm-hmm. You know, they were on, on fire for Jesus and a new creation of Christ. It was really just poetry to me. Mm-hmm. It was just metaphorical, but it's really literal. And eventually, I would start experimenting with alcohol, and I would start... I don't mean some moderation. I mean, yeah. I was getting drunk, and I was doing... Oh, so you of, did drink? Yes, I was... Uh, for about two years after... What age was that? I was, it, was a, it was a late bloomer. Probably 19. Oh, okay. When I started 18, 19. Okay. And... So you didn't do it in your in your high school? No. High school I was very years. much alcohol is the devil. Very, very, uh... uh very ABA. Oh, so you're so so in your high growing school. Growing up, I was very. My family was strict on that. My family is yeah. still strict on that. So your childhood and your teenagers, you would consider yeah, I was in yourself church. Yeah, yeah, a Christian. You were. You would consider yourself a Christian. Yeah. No, I had a, I had a twisted view of what that meant. I sort of, I thought I accepted Christ into my heart, which yeah. is foreign to the Bible, but that's the word the wordage I was given by mm-hmm. the evangelical movement. Yeah, and I thought I could just you know. I can sin all I want, and I still go to heaven. Right. I didn't have that relationship, that change of mind, change of heart, Mm -hmm. that leads to a change of life. I didn't have none of that. And so I had a dead faith, the book of James says. Yeah. And so all of that, when I began to run for my... Because I was also diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder. And so, so, Yeah, and so that, which, that, that caused its own anxiety and depression and... I was also, I was probably 22 before I kissed my first girl. And so I was very mm-hmm. late bloomer. Oh, all that wow. causes depression. Yeah. All that causes feeling of, I don't have any value. And so multiple reasons pushed me to start getting drunk and doing that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so just going back for a second, you said, you know, not being the popular kid, you didn't mm-hmm. kiss your first girl until you were 22. Mm-hmm. 22, right? Something like that. Something I forget like that. the exact date. And so, you, and fighting with depression, you think all that pushed you to make the decision, maybe I should try drinking, or? I would just say a lot of that, it, it was that and just my innocent nature that was never cleansed, because I wasn't saved. You weren't saved, right. What I, my so point, what's holding you back, you know? The what? What was holding you back? From what? No, 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 I was just saying, in general, you know, why not? Why not? Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Well, my point was that had really nothing to do with public schools. What I was trying to, where I was going with that, that oh, just okay. came about. So really, I don't, I can't really say that anything definitively bad was because of public school. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that that can't have bad results. Right. You know, there are problems that have arisen in our mm-hmm. culture from the liberal push in public school and, and the, the atheism that's yeah. pushed. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely had a good public school education that yeah. wasn't. Morally speaking, wasn't terrible because I was unpopular, so I yeah. wasn't getting invited to the parties, mm-hmm. and mainly because you know a lot of my teachers were Christians. Yeah. My mom was a school teacher in that district, and her best friend is also down the hall, who's the, a, a Lutheran, and her mm-hmm. husband's a police officer. So I had definitely a conservative environment. Yeah. And you didn't have what like Corsicana in no, it wasn't. Dallas area. It wasn't like Austin or California. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. very much a small one red light town east texas east texas Texas high school and so i'm not going to blame public school for what would have probably happened if i was homeschooled right because that came from my own sin and looking for answers that weren't in god well you know i know getting drunk was fun and it made me feel cool and it, it was 
in it was in what was the word it was unsuccessfully filling a hole that it couldn't fill which yeah. there I was doing you know I was always doing other sins and stuff that was just a major one in my life that was very it could have been much more destructive than mm-hmm. the Lord allowed yeah and so well you know I was gonna say you know I I know several guys that were um that were homeschooled they really were um they had been homeschooled all their lives they never even went into school. Because, see, I went to school, but from kindergarten yeah. to uh, mm-hmm. to first grade. And I didn't even finish first grade. I was, you know, mom, mom pulled me and laid So you out. really weren't fully exposed no, to, I to ex- the other, I to, the, to the world, really. Yeah, I wasn't exposed at all. And I want to say, you know, back, you know, 15, 17 years ago, however long it was ago, um, things were different even back then. I mean, we're talking about 2004, I think, when I went to school, and, you know, and so that's almost 20 years ago. So things were a little bit different back then, um, even to that degree. But I, like I said, I know homeschool buddies that I literally grew up with up until like the age of 18. And that um, they were in church. They were Christians. Uh, they never did anything bad. But boy, once they turned 18 and moved out of the house, mm-hmm. I mean, gone. So <clears throat> so I agree, you know, it sometimes it doesn't even matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the heart is wanting to go in a certain direction, they'll go in that certain direction, especially if they don't have a relation with God or salvation, you know. But um, but so you don't think, what do you think really pushed you to, uh, to like start drinking alcohol and going down that road? Do you remember? Or? Um, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, I'm trying know. to think. No, I don't really remember the exact moment. It just, you know, it just it was very like gra- built, built up. It was just gradual. I mean, it wasn't like it was the destructive like American Pie movie or something. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like I was, you know, an um, '80s rock band chugging a bottle of right, vodka. Yeah. It was much more innocent than that. But mm-hmm. for how I was raised, it was definitely. Oh yeah. For um, sure. it was definitely rebellion, mm-hmm. especially how I was raised. And we've we've talked about alcohol. And I don't necessarily want to get into that, but oh, absolutely, um, absolutely drunkenness yeah. is definitely a sin, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's it's idolatry, mm-hmm. and that's what it was in my life. It was. And so, what at what point did you turn from that? When did you realize, okay, this is enough? <clears throat> I'm a young man, and I'm I'm allowing myself to go down this path. Uh, you mentioned you you weren't popular. Uh, did you play any sports or anything yeah, like that? I played football from. Seventh grade to junior year of high school. Oh, okay, but not in high school. No, from seventh grade to junior year in oh, high school. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Um, but you weren't popular. You fought with depression. You were diagnosed with what again? Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Obsessive compulsive, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean it's not that that idea of oh he's just so OCD. You know, I I went to a clinic the, the Nacogdoches Children's Psychiatric Clinics right yeah. about once a month for. All through high school, took mm-hmm. about five pills a day. Five pills a day. Yeah, I took about four OCD medications, and I took one ADD medication. <laughs> yeah. So, and eventually, I, I weaned myself off, and my salvation was a big part of being able to not have to have medication. Really. And also, just maturing, getting older, and that's a fun fact. I never even really thought about that, but um... and that's not bashing medication. No, it's no, just no, no, no. Of course, medication's not. a treatment, not the cure. If you have right. like a like obsessive compulsive disorder, I was told by my doctor you'll you'll probably have this till you die. 
Your you, doctor said that? Yeah, it's something that we give, we, we give you medication to help you deal with it. Okay. And so if, if you go into it just trying to cure yourself with some psychiatric medication, yeah. not psychiatric, but like just with these medications, yeah. like Concerta, Abilify, all these kind of medications, it's, it's, it's not going to cure you. You have to actually, because I went to a psychologist medical mm-hmm. who was also a, a Baptist yeah. Then I went, he he would diagnose, he would, not diagnose, but he would um prescribe me medication. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to a counselor who was a, a Methodist man, actually. Yeah. And he would. So all he would give, backgrounds. He, yeah, he would give me counseling and how to, like, like meditation, ways to help not give in to the stress and anxiety. Because yeah. obsessive compulsive disorder, disorder is simply my alarm system in my head is broke. And so yeah. I obsess over thoughts and worries and. I check locked doors constantly, mm. or I wash my hands till they crack and bleed. Like I have, oh, wow. I have an extreme obsessive compulsive disorder. So, so that, you, that contributed a lot of my depression. It still does to this day. Really, I haven't conquered depression. No, huh. I'm just happier than I used to be. <laughs> More fulfilled. <laughs> More but, fulfilled, huh? But it's still, it is still a, a thorn in my side, as Paul had, and it may be, yeah. it may be there to humble me, actually. Yeah, looking yeah. at it with Christ-like eyes, I guess. That's an interesting way. Um, you know, and you know, earlier you had mentioned um, once you got saved, that helped you winged off the medication. That I've never really even heard or I like until you just said that I never even thought about it. Well, I that. may so, I may have started moving off of it before yeah. the actual conversion that I had, but I was def it definitely helped me control my O C D in a way that I didn't have before. Yeah. Because not only was I just drunkenness really wasn't the worst thing I was doing. Intellectually, I had rebelled against God. Mm-hmm. I had renounced God. I had renounced the faith. I was what we call in seminary an apostate. Yeah. I was an ex. I had renounced the faith, basically. Really? And I so was... So you had completely rejected the idea that there was a God? Um, not a God, necessarily, at that point. I really had embraced deism. You know what that is? No, I don't. It's the idea of the clockmaker. That God created the planet, created the world, created the universe. Then he took a hands-off. And he's just somewhere, takes no interest in us. And really? it's just, he, he created natural laws, and they run like a clock. And it was really popular in the Founding Fathers era. Uh, the Vol- I'm not mispronouncing his name, the philosopher Voltaire, in the Age of Enlightenment yeah. during the 1700s. And it was very popular. I've never heard of this it's, brand new. Yeah, Thomas show. Jefferson was one. Benjamin Franklin. Really? Benjamin Franklin was, he, he went between deism and theistic rationalism. So, you're, so they believe that God created earth, time, and all the stuff for it to function mm-hmm. and never intervene. No, they did not believe in revealed religion. They did not believe in um But they, weren't they miracles. Christians, though? Thomas Jefferson was not, no. Really? Benjamin Franklin was... He followed the teachings of Jesus, but he was not a fundamental Christian in the sense of well, like well, us. I mean, we can see that he was not. He wasn't even. He wasn't even. You couldn't even really call him a true Protestant or anything. Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't. He he, he followed him as a human teacher. Yeah, and prayed to God. But now the majority of founding fathers were, but it was specifically Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and. Their writings. I was reading a lot of their writings. I remember I was reading Benjamin Franklin. His book, nature, a book about his religion called Nature's God, mm-hmm. in the community college library where I was going to school, and that really. So I was really reading a lot of philosophy. And I was re- really reading a lot of deism, 
reading a lot of agnosticism. Yeah. That was really because it's pure reason. And when you're lost and you don't have the spirit to discern truth and that of like that, you know, you're, the human mind make those things make sense. That's interesting. So who? How did? So did you just stumble upon this? What would you um, call it? It a- was extremely gradual. Really? It started for one influence was Family Guy. No, well, that sounds funny. Family Guy. Family like Guy. The TV, the, show? the TV show. Huh. <laughs> um, it's real. It's. I, I'm not joking though. Really. And that was what was you know. It's little stuff like that in our culture. South Park, for instance. Yeah. Now, it wasn't just that. It was also, I love to read. I love to study. Before I was, I stu- I, study, I, study. I study false religions today for fun, but I was doing that before I was even saved. And so I was always reading stuff. And when, you, when you're when you not grounded in the word, mm-hmm. and you don't know where you stand with Jesus on day one, you're, you have no filter. And right, so, yeah. and... I mean, if you ever read the writings of Thomas Jefferson, you fall in love with it. And I, mm-hmm. I know Thomas Paine was another big one. You know, Thomas Paine is American know. history. Well, he wrote the the pamphlet that started or in, encouraged the American Civil it's not Civil War, wait, American Revolution. I know, Common yeah, Sense. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, he wrote Common Sense, but he was a big philosopher and political I activist. Know what you're talking about. Yeah, and he wrote The Age of Reason, mm-hmm. which was a book he actually wrote when he was in. He went to the French Revolution after the American Revolution, because he really believed in freeing mankind from monarchy. And so he went, and he was actually, you know, the French Revolution. Yes, happens that, in that. oh yeah, I know When they beheaded the king, mm-hmm. and the, the atheists began to rule the country, yeah. it was just, it, 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 it degenerated really quickly, mm-hmm. till the atheists were killing each other. and Total chaos. Now, for anyone who wants to criticize me, I haven't studied this in a long time. And this is just from <laughs> this is just from memory banks, so right. don't be don't hold me too literal. But he was in a, a prison cell and thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to be on the chopping block, and he wrote the Age of Reason, which was a book that tore apart the Bible, and really? and said it wasn't true. It was just some mystery religion. It was pagan. It was unreasonable. It actually was it was illogical, and it was honestly it's a very good logical book against Christianity. By pagan mind, by someone, pagan who, someone who doesn't know Jesus, you know, if, if we're going to really believe what the Bible says, a lost person really does not have the spirit of God. They have a darkened heart, darkened mm-hmm. mind. They're in need of light that the gospel gives. Yeah. That's why it says, you know, those who don't have the spirit understand not the things of the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, um, which when I was a Calvinist, I really abused those verses to but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. yeah. But th- there is truth to the fact that the human heart is darkened. And that's why, you know, lost people believe so many crazy Greek mythology, for instance. Mm. People actually believed in that for, for millennia. Yeah. But anyway, Thomas Paine wrote that. But that was one of the first books I picked. So I loved the Founding Fathers. Even yeah. then, I, I loved history. I was, one of my goal. one of my dreams was to be a political commentator. Really? And go to school for paralegal studies and then mm-hmm. go into a political science at SFA. Um. That was my one of my dreams when I was yeah. when, after high school. I loved politics and political science, mm-hmm. and so I did a lot of. And it wasn't necessarily I read all their books because with the age of the internet, you don't have to read all their books. No. You can read a lot of what they wrote. Without, you can find a fifteen minute 
article or it was a lot of articles and um brainy quote Mm -hmm. that makes me sound like a wikipedia scholar (laughs) but it's true i mean you can watch cat videos all day or you Mm -hmm. can when you're using the bathroom you can read wikipedia for two hours and you can learn something but um and i would check out books from the community college library you know i think i read a little bit of Thomas Jefferson, John Adams' letters to mm-hmm. each other, and yeah. Nature's God. I read a great book, and I don't recommend it to anyone who's ser- searching because you won't find nothing with it. But right, yeah. if you like good philosophy, it's a it's an interesting read. But well, that's interesting because you know I had never heard of that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 23, and I'm, um, you know, and I've I've never the closest thing I guess I could say was um, I never, I don't think I ever questioned. Was there a God? Mm-hmm. What I did question hard, like very hard, was um, how do we know that we are right? How do I know the mm-hmm. King James is right? How do I know the ABA or Baptist in general is or right? Or just evangelical Christianity in Yeah, general. I mean, mm-hmm. how, and I questioned mom about it and dad and grandpa and all them. I mean, I wanted to know. You know, not that I was necessarily mm-hmm. doubting. But I wanted to know, you know, why do we believe this? How See, can Thomas, it be for certain? Thomas Jefferson had a quote. He said, if, if there be a God, he must cherish more the search for truth and to even doubt the existence of a God than over blindfolded fear. Yeah. And which, obviously, he's probably in hell today, but mm. there's, there's, there is integrity and virtue in... I'm not going to just accept what I was given. I'm going to search for truth on my own yeah. and find out the truth. And that's what, when people get out of high school or even homeschool, especially, because that is a more closed environment than public school. And it so is. It is. When they go from that to the universities or, like I'm in Canada, go to the colleges or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they have to make a choice. You know, am I? Is this my faith? Is this my religion? Yeah. Is, and we kind of. We've kind of blurred the lines with how we kind of teach salvation mm-hmm. with, you know, just repeat this prayer after me, you know, this one-time decision instead of a lifelong decision of following Christ. Right. You know, a lot of people shipwreck in college. They shipwreck when they leave their parents' home. Mm-hmm. And some flourish because you have to make that choice. Is this my religion? Mm-hmm. Is this true? Or is this just a family tradition? Is it a cultural thing I'm going to put on my taxes? Yeah. And so... I respect, I was telling someone this recently, I respect someone more who is completely against what I believe in sometimes because I came to it through an honest search for truth, not just this is what my mom told me, this is what my dad told me, which I assume you're a pretty theologically smart guy. I assume, yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm not saying you no, did no, that. No, I, I, that. I believe you came to search for truth because you were asking people. Oh, yeah. Some people never ask somebody. Yeah. And... Sometimes it's cause they genuinely just search the scriptures themselves, and sometimes a lot of our people are theologically ignorant, mm-hmm. and they don't know what they believe. They You're just, talking about our own, like our people, yeah. even our people. Yes, yeah. how many of how many missionary Baptists know what they believe in? Yeah, I agree with that. And how many Christians, just in general, can have an honest conversion from life yeah. to death and can actually explain that and w- the significance of their faith? Yeah. yeah, like I was recently, I was watching a YouTube. Uh, video and it was some catholics talking it was just they were talking about theology mm-hmm. and they referenced a reformed theology legionnaire Le- legionnaire ministries they that's a 
Protestant one. No. And they released a, a, a diagram, basically, a chart, a study about the, theo- the lack of theology in America. Like 57% yeah. of Christians, now I'm just paraphrased from memory, I don't know mm-hmm. the exact numbers, but it was a large portion, 49%, 50 of Christians believe Jesus Christ was created by God. Hmm. And was not God made flesh, was not God the Son, eternally begotten by the Father, but was actually the firstborn of all, was actually created from nothing by the Father. Wow. Which honestly, we both believe, and we're both Trinitarians, I assume, as we believe Christ has eternally existed as the Son, in eternal relation with the Father, and the Holy Spirit flows from Let us make man in our image. Exactly. Oh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, where with God, Mm. and the Word was God. And so, another, you know, they're saying like, one another large portion of American Christians were believing that Jesus was just a human teacher, was not God. Was, I believe was the Jews was isn't it the Jews that believe that he was just a great prophet? Some of our own people who claim Christian and probably attend church regularly in America believe that as well wow. because they're so unlearned, untaught. Yeah. And most likely, if your view of Jesus is that degenerate, degenerate from the mm-hmm. truth, you're probably not saved at that point. But you know. For that large portion of American Christians to believe Jesus Christ is a created being, that's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Yeah. But mainline evangelicals are believing that, apparently, based on this. I don't know how long, how old this video was, but still, it was in recent years. Wow. So there's definitely Christians in name who were raised in church. They probably walked an aisle when they were five years old, mm-hmm. four years old, or younger. Some people are crazy. And... Because parents want to see their kids go to heaven so bad yeah. that they risk deceiving them. And and that's a bad thing. That's too. a big problem. Yeah, you know. And, and I, I talked about family guy earlier. Because I, mean, I went from deist to yeah. agnostic. Then I went to, I was borderline atheist. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I keep. Oh, you're fine, brother. I think I don't <laughs> breathe out. I don't think, I think when I'm preaching and talking, I breathe in my nose. And it makes me burn. It happens, oh, when, I, really? it happens when I preach, too, and I have a mic on. It happens on. to me. Sometimes your throat, you just got to kind of hiccup. I think much. I'm not breathing properly. I don't know why I'm suddenly doing this after two years of preaching. But hmm. anyway, because we joke about Family Guy. Family Guy has some very, a lot of episodes pushing atheism. Yes. Pretty much all the McFarland shows. And they're they're funny shows. I mm. get it. They're hilarious. They are, you know, it can be a guilty pleasure to watch them. Yeah. But... Honestly, I know the danger, so I don't, I don't watch them. Right. You know, you know, on a vacation and we're on, we're in a hotel and it's mm. cable television. You know, I watched a couple episodes on my honeymoon. Right. But it, it is a dangerous show, and for someone to watch it regularly, it does push atheism and stuff of that nature. And it was making it because I don't know if you ever watched Family Guy. I have. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Well, Brian, watch it all the time. Brian the dog. Okay, I'm not. We're, we're, Pagan among pagan here. Yes, it? yes. <laughs> <laughs> we both we both turned away, but I mean, we're, yes. it's good to reflect. As a rule of faith and practice, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, you know. And I was tempted to keep watching it after my honeymoon, mm-hmm. and I, I remember I had it on Hulu Plus, and I was staring at it, staring mm-hmm. at it. And Elena walked in. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Because when you get married and you're having a family, you have more encouragement to live right, yeah. and to to be For more sure. careful. Because if you fall, they're gonna fall. Yeah. But, and they're gonna follow you. you know, exactly, your wife, your wife. They'll follow. They'll exactly. Follow. So it's well, that's more. We get more into that as we develop in the story. Yeah. But anyway, and so I was getting closer and closer to a full-on rejection of God and the idea of the concept. And you, you were how old at this point? Oh, 
Were you a young man? I was between 18 and 21. Okay, wow. So you were definitely a young man then, mm-hmm. right out of high school. And I was... So this was after college. I was I was working at FedEx at this point. Mm-hmm. I was in the workforce at this point because I didn't do too good at college because yeah. I was skipping classes to read philosophy in the mm-hmm. library. <laughs> but mm-hmm. and also I, I suck at math and so I was failing classes and so but <laughs> which I wanted to be a paralegal mm-hmm. and a political commentator and I picked a degree plan that had zero math, but really? they were forcing me to do math because I failed their Accuplacer test. Mm-hmm. So makes no sense but just to defend my my stupidity (laughs) but and so do you want to continue with my testimony absolutely i mean mean, however you want to do we ain't got my salvation yet yeah i mean we got i mean we're only 33 minutes in brother i mean we can go as long Mm. as you want this thing doesn't have a timer at all now it will stop at an hour uh but we'll we can take a break and which means we'll just pause it and do whatever but um i was Working at FedEx, and I was being witnessed to by a friend who mm-hmm. worked there, and I was having I was having a very slow awakening. It would sound like Snoke and Star mm-hmm. Wars has been an awakening, but <laughs> it really was a gradual. You know, if, if I was still a Calvinist, I would call it the effectual calling to yeah. the elect. But obviously, yeah. I'm not a Calvinist anymore. But it was definitely you know when Christ you know when Christ said to Nicodemus you know when the Son of Man when he rises he'll draw all men unto him yeah like Moses raise up the serpent and so I was definitely being called I guess now that I'm just telling this off the top of my head I was being gradually just coming around I was watching I was reading more Christian stuff I was watching some but Christian, no one influenced you I was being influenced um, slowly but surely. By somebody, by... I had a co-worker who was witnessing to me, and he was inviting me to this Assembly of God church that I was going to. It started off just occasionally. I kept... The longer time went, started doing more and more. But I can remember near the end of it, when I was still in my rejection and rebellion against God, and was it, and this is the fun, the craziest, the scary thing. Because I do believe God can judicially harden you and give you over to a reprobate mm-hmm. mind where you don't want him anymore. Yeah, he talks about that. Romans 1. Mm-hmm. And so when I firmly and formally in my mind, there was a point where I reject religion. Wow. I reject organized religion. I don't believe the word, the Bible anymore. And you grew up a Christian. Yes. And a committed yeah. Not not I wasn't strong necessarily missionary Baptist. We were strong Baptists. Yeah. yeah like yeah. um whether it was independent Baptist, Southern Baptist or Mission. We the were plan Baptist. of salvation. It, we were the it was the like faith and practice. It was yes. the Baptist it was yes. the true church and whatnot. And so I was I was raised up Baptist. Mm-hmm. And we were strong Baptist and it wasn't this, oh it's just any denominations, oh it was we were Baptists. Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, my mom was constantly nagging me. And looking back, it was a good thing. And I'm sure she, and she at my ordination, she was crying and, yeah, and sobbing, saying, I prayed for you. But and she I, cries all everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but she had a good reason. You can hand her a toothbrush. She start crying. <laughs> no. I'm just joking, bro. I'm no. just joking. She's probably going to hear this, but she'll, she'll come for you. <laughs> no, she, she, she just watched me just have no direction in life. Because yeah. I wasn't even a productive lost person. I was trash. I was doing nothing in my life. I was a bum. Had no purpose. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing. I it's was so work- weird for you to say that because look at you now. You know, I mean. <laughs> and so, that's why she was so upset because she's seeing my life come together. She's seeing me with a pregnant wife. I'm a pastor. 
I'm, you know, I'm growing peppers in a pepper garden. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm it? grilling meat. You know, I'm being, yeah. I'm wearing Crocs to Lowe's to buy plants. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm in full dad mode. Yeah. And you know, two year, three years ago, four years ago, however long, five years ago, I was completely rejecting Christ. Yeah, getting drunk on the weekends, not going to church, just no. working blue collar job part time, and wasn't even paying all my bills. I sure could buy beer though. Really? But you got, I, it got to that point. It just, I was, I mean, they, my parents were just giving me my time to find myself. And, you know, thankfully I needed that. Yeah. And, but that's why she was crying. I'm sure she, 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 she was obviously praying for me and I needed it. You know, that old hymn about grandma's prayers or mama's prayers. Oh, your mama's prayers. Yeah. I never get to hear that. It's not played quiet. much. No, yeah. it's not. But so she prayed for me and she would invite me to church and, and this Bible study and she would she would guilt me to go to Mother's Day church service. And looking back, I was terrible. I should have loved to go to church with my mother. Right. And, you know, I was blessed to have that in Lord's providence, to have a mother who would continually mm-hmm. keep pricking me. And she would ask me, don't you believe in the Bible anymore? Because I was acting really weird. I was like becoming a left-wing liberal very quickly. Really? I was getting pro-abortion. I was getting pro-gay. Not that I hate homosexual people, but like I was getting okay with gay marriage. Mm-hmm. I was defending it as a, it should be okay, no limitations. It, it almost sounds like you're lying. <laughs> just <laughs> no, just no, to no. see you now, you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I was, this is the most shameful thing. I was even getting okay with gun control. Oh my Yeah, God. yeah, I'm serious. Like, not super bad, <laughs> but ridiculous. them Family Guy shows got some good arguments. It's amazing how it's just a, like, a, just a But here's cartoon, the funniest, here's the funniest thing, though, that I said about when I finally did it, when I did renounce. Mm-hmm. Sinning got so easy. Did it? When I firmly suppressed the truth and unrighteousness, Romans 1 says. Yeah. Thankfully, I gave myself over to a depraved mind. Yeah. In Romans 1. God hadn't done it yet. He wasn't done with me. And he was still extending his mercy. But I had done it. And I no longer felt conviction for sin. Mm-hmm. It was just I didn't want to get caught by my parents. I didn't right. want to tell. And I, I, as I preached in one of my sermons. I, I think you were there actually. I was a coward. Yes. I would. I did not come out and share it to my parents. I lied to them. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was an influence on me. Um. My Nana was an influence. I would go to her house and just talk and talk. And I would say the dumbest things. <laughs> and she would just let me talk. Because she, she, she knew I was very much like my Uncle Stephen. And he found his way. He got saved. You met my Uncle Stephen. I he got, he, Uncle Stephen. He had a very similar testimony to myself. Yeah. In false profession, late bloomer, in the sense of spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. He got saved in the military after thinking he was saved. Yeah. And so she, she knew I'd come around. And the Lord would, would keep Pound God bless she, Nana's. And I'm sure she was mm-hmm. praying for what my mom was. And my dad, there was one moment where my dad really put the Holy Ghost on me. Really? And um, we were, I was in my brother's room. I don't remember if I was watching Netflix or I was playing a video game. I was doing something. And he came in there and he just like, you, he was just talking to me and he said, you've changed. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I, I, I don't know. You've just, you've changed. And, you know, what you're doing is not right. He didn't know what was going on, but he just said, you've changed. There's, he, there was a discernment he had that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And that didn't sound too, too, too powerful from his perspective, but 
I can remember what that that room felt like. It felt like this eerie, like I wanted to run, like like conviction. It's actually mm-hmm. what it felt like, and it felt like the heaviness of the room. It just it, I, looking back, I felt like the Holy Spirit was there, and that was conviction. And so that, and then my my coworker invited me to church, and he kept it. I kept going with him. So I'm mixing events mm-hmm. and different out, and out of order. But the mom and all that stuff, my dad and my nan and all that was here at, in, the, in the beginning of this time. Yeah. And then as I was living and working at FedEx, I was gradually coming back, being drawn to the faith. You know, John 6 says, you know, we can't come the, unless the Father draweth him. Right. And so I was yeah. definitely being drawn by just the things of God. I was watching, I mean, I watched the Daniel movie on Netflix with the line on the front. Oh, yeah. And so I was, I was being drawn to Christian things. And I slowly, between my dad putting the Holy Ghost on me, and when I would eventually get saved at Assembly of God Church, as I'm getting closer to this point, this friend is witnessing to me, invite me to church. I'm, I'm being drawn to Christian things. And so I start slowly becoming a, a liberal Christian, yeah. which a liberal Christian means basically I believe in this abstract, big paradigm of Christianity, but I can pick and choose what books of the Bible I want to believe in. Right, yeah. And some books... It's like of, so many do. And some books of the Bible, being a liberal Christian, you know, it was just a religion or philosophy or even true, but the Bible wasn't inspired. Yeah, and so I remember one any kind of book like Revelation. Mm-hmm. That's scary. That scared me. So I don't want that was just. And if you study church history, you'll find one church father here or there mm-hmm. who didn't believe in Revelation when they were putting the canon together. So yeah. I I found Martin Luther. I don't believe he he didn't believe in the founder of Lutheranism mm-hmm. and the Protestant Reformation didn't believe in Revelation. Really, and like so the, at all? he just thought the book was was he just didn't think it was it, it was inspired. Hmm. And so there was a lot of debate when the Bible's been put together. Yeah. And because um, God works through broken vessels and, mm-hmm. you know, he does, he, he gets glorified in that. And so any book that made me uncomfortable, I found convicting or really made me have to conform to it. I could just say, and that's, that's the man part. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not this, that's not, that's a cultural thing or whatever you want to call it. Right. And so I became a liberal Christian before I became a born-again Christian. It's almost like how C.S. Lewis became a theist before J.R. Tolkien converted him in that in that beer-drinking place. Right, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. do, what do you call it? What do you call it? Um, um, the pub mm-hmm. in England, but... I was thinking saloon, but I was like, it's in England. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pub. <laughs> I was like, but, right. you know, I, I became a liberal Christian, and I was even praying before that. I prayed in the shower... And because I was putting it it's off. It's a good place to pray. Yeah. Because I was putting it off. And I remember telling my friend at church, it felt like I was talking to a spurned girlfriend that was super awkward, <laughs> which I didn't have any experience. But that's what it felt like just from you. When you watch TV, you can pick up what things feel like. Because like, right. like I said, I was, you know, I was very, that was a enduring depression from not having dating experience of any kind of nature, of any kind of significance feeling unwanted and loved by the opposite sex, not my family, obviously, right. but that would endure. And, you know, I would deal with that as a Christian, but I had a coworker who began inviting me to a Sin Ligot church. 
And assembly of God, Assemblies of God is a Pentecostal denomination. Not the skirt wearing Trinity denying. <laughs> not the not the the, the cult one. Honestly, yeah, it's cult. Cult. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. Um, they deny the Trinity, believe in a oneness. Mm. You know, it's a whole whole other podcast mm. on on that. And maybe cult's a strong word, but I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm gonna say things, but. Mm. The Assemblies of God came out of, they kind of split off from that group over the Trinity. Yeah. So they are orthodox in the understanding of who God is, what the gospel is. And so I was I was being invited to this Assembly of God church. I went to two or three services and they started this new ministry that was for young adults. And I went to it, opening night of it, and I got saved. It was really good contemporary worship, then it was a good gospel presentation. So that's where you got saved. Yeah, he was preaching. Um, basically, maybe you don't, maybe, this is a crazy thing about my testimony. I actually thought I was rededicating my life to Christ because I thought, because I said a prayer when I was in fourth grade, mm -hmm. I was saved. And so I was just going to reload the former save like in Skyrim or something. And, <laughs> but I was hearing him preach about, hey, maybe you're not saved, maybe you need to get saved. And I was like, but I'm already saved. I said that prayer. I did that first work, whatever. And then he said, maybe you ain't been living for God. Maybe you ain't been close to God. You need to rededicate your life to Christ. He said some kind of verbiage like that. And I said, well, maybe that's what I need. And I felt this, this eerie conviction, like my heart was racing I wanted to run, but I didn't, and I was trembling, and I can remember cussing in my head, like, hurry up, get to the invitation, mm -hmm. so I can go make, go, go respond, <laughs> and so, which I wasn't saying, I think I said the D word, but I was like, <laughs> hurry up, dang it, Yeah. and I went forward, as second, I mean, I sprinted, as soon as he opened the invitation, I was just crying, I was, I'm a crier, I don't know yeah. if you know that, but I'm, I'm a, I'll ball. I cried over the Chronicles of Narnia. About that. <laughs> the one with Prince Caspian? Or just it was the, the one with the mouse when he lost his tail. Yeah, yeah. And then when he, he crossed over in Aslan's mm -hmm. country with his own eyes. I mean, I cried. I'm a crier. And so I cried, and I kind of fell into the prayer warrior's arms, which is just a prayer leader mm -hmm. up at the front, someone yeah. in the church who is to pray for people. And I, I, just, I confessed that I wasn't living for God. I wasn't living for Christ. I was, you know, sinning. And I want to rededicate my life to Christ. And so that was my intention, but God saw my heart. And I can remember walking away from that because he, 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 he spoke in tongues and prayed over me. Wow. And I walked away just this blissful joy that I couldn't explain, this happiness. Yeah. And as the weeks went by and a couple months went, about a month or so, a couple weeks went by. And I noticed I was beginning to change. I was beginning to become more like Christ. I was beginning to be more conscious of sin. Just, I was in love with the Bible, in love with just the, the anything. I loved going to church. If I, and my church was 30 minutes away from me at this time. And so if my truck was broke down, I couldn't go, I would cry. I, was, I, I loved going. Really? Mm -hmm. So your whole life just kind of flipped. Exactly, and I realized that's when I got saved. Mm -hmm. That's when I repented of my sins and believed and just gave my life to Christ. It's amazing how 
you know, it's not so much the words mm -hmm. of salvation. You know, God yeah. saved my soul. I, I've sinned against you and I want to mm -hmm. live for you and I don't want to go to hell. Please save my soul. It's not necessarily the words. Mm -hmm. It's the heart. It's the heart. And that's, that's how I try to preach it because we're, we're living in this post-Billy Graham culture where yeah. it's just, you know, ashes Christ come into your heart. I don't use that language. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a biblical formula. I think if your heart's right and you pray it, it works. But I think it may, a lot of people get hung up on that prayer and they go to hell thinking they're saved. So how would you explain someone like like what you just said? Well, well I would... Instead of saying, ask Jesus Christ to come mm -hmm. into your heart, what's another way of saying it? I believe it's in Mark chapter 1 or chapter 2 where it just Jesus says, and John the Baptist said it as well, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. And so repentance, how it's how I explain it. And, you know, I've, I'm new in the pastorate. I haven't had anyone respond to an altar call yet. Mm -hmm. I've explained it this way to coworkers and people I've come in contact with, but I haven't had someone walk the aisle. And I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping God will just give me the words and how to, to explain it for the needs that person will have. But I know how the Bible explains it. Right. And I try to stay away from evangelical shorthand because mm -hmm. um, the whole campus crusade thing. And I've been on a mission trip where they led about oh, 80 10-year-olds or 8-year-olds yeah. in a massive sinner's prayer. And when they become 18 and 20 and they're living in sin and have no life change, it's because, you know, Christ didn't say, repeat after me. He said, follow right. me. Yeah. And so because of my testimony, I'm very... Much so, about six, seven months ago, I was very against using a prayer in salvation. Mm -hmm. But as I've developed in my in my theology and, you know... Your ministry? In, in my ministry yeah. and my theology, I've, I understand you can call on the name of the Lord. It is biblical to pray to receive Christ. Yes. But you don't have to pray. It can simply be a position of your heart towards God yeah. through Jesus. Now, I one hundred percent agree. And that's that. that's just I feel equipped to preach it that way because yeah. of my own testimony. And like I was saying, when my child um, comes forward, I'm gonna treat my Catholic, catechize them, like teach them what it means to be saved, right, what it means yeah. to be baptized, what it means. Like it is, you're not just making a decision. You're at you're you're giving your life to Christ. It's like um, his name is German, but I forget. his name it's Dedrick Bonifer. Your son's name? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a, it was a, a Lutheran, um, a Lutheran pastor mm. under the reign of Hitler who was uh, underground churches, and he would start underground churches, underground seminaries, and he was in opposition to Hitler, who was cracking down on Christian churches. Right. And he had a he has a saying that says, you know, when Christ calls man, he bids him come and die, and he was mm. hung by Hitler in a prison camp. And so, wow. who is this guy? Um, uh, dead. dead Dedrick Bonifer, something like that. Dedrick. He wrote a, He wrote on discipleship. That, it's almost like that's an old memory trying to... Well, he's real famous. and um, Trying he, to come back. But. He, he, he wasn't missionary Baptist, but he was a champion of, yeah. the, of the faith. And he is... Uh, I, I keep wanting to read one of his books. I just know him and I've read his quotes and I've read his life. But, you know, that's what I want to express to my son. It's not about a prayer. You can pray, but it's more of... Because the word repent... Is meta, it's I'm not a Greek scholar, but it does yeah. mean it's metanoia, metaneo. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that anybody, <laughs> but it is. It means a change of mind. Yeah. To think differently after the fact. To have a, 
And our ABA doctrinal statement says that, you know, repentance, it quotes Acts 20, repentance towards God, faith in Jesus Christ. So if I have a change of mind and heart towards the Father about my sin, who he is, my need of a Savior, then I turn in faith to Christ, that's salvation. Right. And it's simply, it, and you can really boil it down to repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. And sadly, we have a gospel being preached in a lot of our churches. I'm, I'm saying that in Baptist, but even in our own ABA work and BMA work, SBC work, in that world, a lot of repentless presentations of the gospel where they'll skip over the sin issue and just tell you to add Jesus Christ to a keychain yeah. with all your other keys instead of trashing the keys and, that, and him being everything. Mm -hmm. And so... Let him be a crutch. Yeah, or, or an accessory, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's better. And that's why we have this culture that their whole life is, you know, American dream, college, mm -hmm. career. It's not what has God called me to do. Yeah, we've talked maybe, about uh, maybe God too. is maybe God is calling you to get speared to death in some Amazon river. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> God is calling you to quit that job or to yeah. or to anything, fill in the blank, you know. But Christians don't want that. And so and that comes down to how we present in the gospel. It's always it comes down to the gospel. And that was my problem. I was, you know, I you know, people make we make mistakes in how we present it sometimes. And a lot of our churches aren't preaching repentance. They're preaching this easy believism that doesn't right. change lives. And so that's the message I heard. And that's the discipleship I received. And I would later later on I became aware of the eternal security of the believer, mm -hmm. once saved, always saved. And I began to my OCD caused a big problem because the assemblies of God are similar to Baptists, but they're charismatic. They're charismatic. They're yeah. also believed in losable salvation. Mm -hmm. And so I would eventually, I would leave that denomination and that ministry school where I was, my, my first sermon preached was Assembly of God sermon. Yeah. Over losable salvation, actually. Really? Exactly. I, yeah. And so I, ca I came out of that. Um, you know, and I, those are Christ-following, lovely people. But then, you know, I just, I reached an impasse of, of doctrine. Mm. And it was also, I was very immature at that point in my life. I was, had a horrible work ethic. <laughs> and so, I was not ready to pastor anything. And so, that mixed with my depression from, I can't preach what I want to preach because yeah. I'm reaching, it caused a horrible situation where I had to leave the school or ruin friendships. Right, yeah. And it was almost like God is wanting me to leave because he wants me somewhere else. And you know, we can ask the question why God God does work through people who disagree with us and does great work in their lives. And I don't know. That just shows the love of God. He can work through all of us, even more some of us disagree with each yeah. other. So I know with for me and what I was believing in, God wanted me elsewhere. But I didn't want to move back home mom and dad. That's not right. a cross I wanted to bear. I wanted to stay where I was. And so it felt like God was putting me on quicksand, if you will. And then I didn't want to lose friendships. And eventually it was just I had needed to leave. You know, I, I wasn't happy with the doctrine I was, I was having to preach. And so I left, maintained those friendships for a time, and life drifts, you know. You yeah, make new networks, have, new connections, new churches. And friends are but a season. Yeah. And I firmly believe I'll see all of them in heaven because I believe they oh, all, I believe they were saved. You know, they we would disagree today, but mm -hmm. anyway, I want to respect where I came from, so I know where I'm going. 
Right. And yeah. I I was born again in this and lose a God denomination, and I'm not ashamed of that. That's why it's I, that's why I said that in my ordination in a yeah. missionary Baptist church. I'm not ashamed of my testimony. And I said that in the question answering my church called me as their pastor. I told them my testimony. I didn't hide it from them. I have been baptized in Assembly of God Church. Mm-hmm. I have three baptisms. I have a weird testimony. Yeah. I think it equips me for people in our generation if the Lord opens those doors. Mm-hmm. And so, but God called me out of that. And um, I was Southern Baptist for a little while with my parents, my family, and he called me out of that. And I found my way to an ABA church where I surrendered the ministry again. So I've actually surrendered the ministry three times. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and three baptisms. But only two professions. Well, no, I prayed that sinner's prayer for many years. Yeah. And it never would work because it ain't about a prayer, it's about okay. a heart change. But anyway, I came to back to the American Baptist Association, Missionary Baptists, and obviously, you know, you ain't got to have ABA on your sign to be a true church okay. or to have the truth or, you know, it's a it's name. It's just an association. You of know, there are good there are good Southern Baptist churches, good BMA churches. Mm-hmm. There's agree. good independent. There's even some good Protestant churches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a, a Calvinist anymore, but I love John MacArthur. I love Paul mm-hmm. Washer, and you know, I love uh, well. I like a little R.C. Sproul. But anyway, that's kind of my testimony in a nutshell and about how salvation. Yeah. And um, so where do you want to go from there? I'll let you. Well, what about, um, well, let me, let me say this. So a while ago, you had mentioned something about your dad, mm-hmm. how your dad came into, I know, I do you remember this? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, your da- you said your dad came in, you were playing a game or you were watching Netflix, you couldn't know, but you said that your dad came into the bedroom. And said, "You've changed. You don't know. You know he don't. He don't recognize you anymore. You just change whatever. You know whatever he said." Yeah, there was an uh, or a, a, aura, aura. Where the there, room felt there eerie. Were, there know? was an aura about me that he noticed, if you will, because yeah. when you are a Christian, there are gifts of discernment, and some mm-hmm. people can really discern and they read you well, and they just also when you when your parents know you. you know, yeah, it's like that old. Uh, there was an evangelist that said, "If you if if your mama don't know you're saved." You're probably not, and so yeah, yeah. <laughs> your parents, your parents pick up on you, mm-hmm. and so yeah, he he just really confronted me, but he didn't know what he was confronting. You know, I fully believe the Holy Spirit was working through my dad in that in that moment. Well, let me tell you this: um, something kind of similar, not not quite similar, but mm-hmm. had to do with my dad. I'll just say it like this: and Mom and I have had this conversation before. My mom could scream, yell, holler, call me. She would say, I doubt you're even saved. You know, I mean, it got to that point, man. And it would just make me angry. It would make me frustrated. It didn't help me at all. And I don't know. I mean, it sounds awful, but there was something about, you know, a young man and his mother just in in, with me. I just. There is virtue in being challenged. Yeah. Because Paul even challenges us. He says, examine yourself to make sure your election and calling is for sure. Lest you be reprobate in other parts. So it's, it's a. It sounds funny, Miss mm-hmm. Kim. My mother-in-law screaming that, but it's you know it's it's well, a good you, question it, to ask for. It, it is, you know, mm-hmm. and right, she was rightfully so. I mean, I would, I don't want to say I was horrible, but if well, she was she, probably using it as more of a discipline tactic. She was. I mean, <laughs> she would counseling. say it, she would say it when when I wouldn't take out the trash and go feed the chickens. <laughs> yeah. She'd go, "I doubt you're saved because if you a saved person go feed my chickens." <laughs> oh, she thought I was going to hell when we watched that uh, True Grit remake. Oh but. yeah. <laughs> Well, she's probably gonna hear this. It's a oh, <laughs> back to your dad. She'd be all right, but dad, um, 
something about dads, you know, just they can, they know, you know, my mother could yell, like I said, she could yell, kick and scream, tell me I'm a lost sinner and I'm going to hell. Um, she scarred me one, to this day, it still hurts, but she said one time, she goes, one day she was talking to dad, she was yelling at me and had a bad attitude so I wouldn't clean my room. I was probably 13. And she told dad, she goes, one day he's going to come home drunk and it's going to be all your fault. <laughs> that scarred me to this day, but, you know, it it bothered me, but it didn't change me. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that it might be true? Do what? That you might have come home drunk? Is that what you mean? No, well, she was just saying that just to just to keep me on track, rightfully yeah. so. But what I'm I, saying is where you were, it bothered you, the fact it, that it, it might it be did. true? It did. It bothered me to a point where I, well, it was more like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, oh. and, and to this day, I did prove her wrong, but... But now it's like I gotta prove it wrong my whole life, you know. So I mean, I guess I'm good to have it. The but, ties that bind. Right? I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's, but, that's a rock song, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, but Dad, let me tell you this, man. Mm -hmm. And I will be just straight up honest. I wasn't doing nothing bad. I had waited till around eleven, eleven thirty. It was on a weekday. I don't know what day. Um, but everyone went to sleep, and I got in my truck and I drove to the movies, and. Um, I had met uh, the girl I was dating at the time, and her friends were up there, and a couple of my friends were up there. Some from our from from the homeschool group because they didn't go to school; they yeah, had yeah, school yeah. the next day. So we went all up to the movie theater, watched a movie. We went to uh, uh, Waterburger and everything. It's getting late, man. I mean, it is late. So finally, the girls went home, and we guys we just drove around like Pisky Ridge area and like. Uh, Pursley area, just drove everywhere, hanging out all night long. Well, dude, it was like, and I had done this a few times, mind mm -hmm. you, but I was always home by at least 3.30. Well, this time, it was getting close, you know? So I was like, you know what, I need to get home. So I'm getting into the driveway, and it's about right at 5 o'clock, and that's when Dad leaves the house. So I was racing. I was going 100 miles an hour trying to get there. I pull up in the driveway. No, I used to, like I said, I used to, I used to date your sister. Mm -hmm. So I remember the movie oh, yeah. Dad for work. <laughs> I remember we'd fall asleep watching a movie and I'd know, oh, what time is it? I gotta get out. I gotta go to the guest, the guest house. Yeah. And but, you can leave that in there. It's fun. But, it's funny. <laughs> but you know what? Dad. <laughs> I can hear my wife mad in the other oh, room. Oh, she's probably mad. <laughs> but, um. But I remember Dad, man, I pulled up right at the corner. And, and mind you, for those who don't know, our drive was a massive hill. Yeah, and I it's remember. super bumpy. Mm -hmm. So I turn into the driveway. I see Dad's headlights coming down the driveway. You know, I was bumping and... And I knew I was in trouble. Oh, and I had this horrifying gut feeling. So I pull over, right? And I roll down the window, waiting for my dad to come talk to me. Because I knew it was coming. You know what my dad did? He drove right past me. I just pulled over to the side, and he he didn't even look at me. And he just kept driving, like didn't almost like he didn't even see me, which he did. But I pulled over because my headlights were on. It wasn't like I was hiding, you know. And he drove right past me. And that moment, it just shattered me. It completely broke mm -hmm. my heart. I don't. I can't even hardly <clears throat> explain. I can't even hardly explain what it was. Just the fact that, I guess, 
Dad was so disappointed in me, he wouldn't even talk to me. I don't really know. So, like, did you have a, a rule that you couldn't be out a certain time? Well, you know, I mean, at 16, 17 years old, be respectful and be home. Yeah. You know, I mean, by at least well, by 12. I, I was going to say, you know, for our listeners, I guess, you know, when you said you weren't doing anything bad. Yeah, I was just out with friends. We can we cannot be overtly sinning, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe we're not fornicating. Maybe mm-hmm. we're not doing drunkenness and that kind of thievery and murder all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff the what the catholics call the cardinal sins right, or the mortal yeah, sins yeah. but if you're not living for jesus that is sin yeah. if we're putting our wills above his or you know one of those lists you know the the and you know, i think it's first corinthians or something where it says you know if you do this and this and this be not deceived mm-hmm. you know, i think it's uh the effeminate and homosexuals and all right, these this yeah. list of stuff the very last one is disobedient to parents mm-hmm. and so you know god's standard even if we're not just, you know, being the Breakfast Club rebels, you know, right, yeah. we're still in God's eyes sinners. And you know, and and, and, your dad, even though you weren't, you know, maybe you weren't getting drunk and like I was, but yeah. you were, I guess, disrespecting your parents. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I, I had stayed up way too late, and that was God, you know, through your dad. The same thing happened to me, you know. And sin is sin. Yeah. You know, there's different degrees of sin, but at least the same direction away from God, and yeah. so. And I was talking to you earlier about mom. She can kick and scream. It wouldn't change me. Yeah. Dad, if that, if my dad would have pulled over and talked to me, I probably wouldn't have remembered it to this day. And it probably wouldn't have changed me. But for some reason, like you said, if, if after he drove away, it felt eerie. I felt empty. I felt like I was the worst person ever to disappoint my family. And I didn't care. You know, an hour before that, I couldn't give one crap. You know, I just wanted to be out with my buds, you know, and go see my girlfriend that I only could see once, a, once or twice a week, you know. But at that I moment, I can't remember the fear of realizing I'm still on the couch at five <laughs> in the morning, where the Fred's gonna wake up. And that light comes on. That light comes and you're, on the bed. We fell, we fell asleep watching A New Hope. <laughs> you hear the shuffling of his feet. <laughs> Oh, but I, but you know that moment. You know, like you said, is something. The Holy Spirit used that mm. moment, used Him to get to me, to change me, to to, and it and it was like it changed the direction of my life from from that point on. Something so simple, you know. And it's it's funny because Dad, I asked Dad the other day. I was like, "Do you remember that?" He don't even remember it. So really? I, I don't I don't remember. Which I knew he did because, you know, he never and to this day, he had never mentioned it ever. Mm. He never told mom. He never talked to me about it. Nothing. I mean, he just left it alone. My, my, my boy knows he's not supposed to be out this late, and he was out that late, and he didn't even talk to me about it, and it crushed me. But it's amazing how the Holy Spirit uh, works like that. And I just, when you were talking about your dad, it just <clears throat> reminded me of my dad. It's amazing how how powerful dads can be yeah. and, their, and their influence on our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we... We want to think that our parents are against us when really sometimes we're, it's more like we're against ourselves. We're just trying to find, trying to find that hope, trying to find ourselves, you know? Yeah. Well, what about, so at this point you, you grew up, you grew up and you went through this yeah. troublesome time. Yeah. At this you, point, you I, I had a profession of faith that was false. I fell away from the faith as all, you know, false professors will eventually do. Yeah. Hopefully if they wouldn't realize they're lost. I come back to the faith. I, I have my conversion, mm-hmm. my 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 true from death to life, right. you know, repentance of yeah. the heart, and 
and I'm now I've now in, in the story I've surrendered the ministry and I'm pursuing it within the ABA work. And, and you're going to the ABA. So how did you pick? So you surrendered to the ministry. You know you're going to be a preacher at, at this, this point. point. Yeah. And, okay. And I guess uh, so. We're going to talk about college ministry now. Yeah. So okay. let's let's. I'll just briefly lay it out so you can do like what you what you <clears> did before. So here you are. You've surrendered to the ministry. You're, I guess you're, what happens when you surrender the ministry? You went into Bible college. Let's talk about that. You know, how, how was Bible college for you? Was it rough? Was it, was it easy? Was it not? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and what, what were you going through? Yeah. And let's, let's do this. Let's talk about everything before Elena, just up to the point okay. yeah. you met Elena. So what was that, <clears throat> what was that time zone like? From Well, I, I realized I wanted to be in ministry when I was Assembly God. And I, when I left the Assembly of God, I was really, excuse me if they didn't hear that, <laughs> taco trip today, but I was really, I lost faith in myself, in, in the calling. In the calling. In, in my calling, and I decided, you know, maybe because I walked, maybe because I was so mature and I wasn't ready, I was a novice in the faith, and First Timothy says, do not give a novice Mm-hmm. authority in the church because he's a, it's a snare for the devil. Yeah. And so I wasn't ready. And so I was, but I was interpreting that too. Maybe I'm just, I washed out. Maybe I'm just not called to ministry. And so I decided, but I still had this in, in, inadvertent, that's the word, inadvertent desire in, within me to go to seminary. I wanted, I, ha- I had a strong desire to pursue religious education, theology, which is the study of God. Yeah. And the things of God it was just, it was what I was always reading. It's what I loved. And so I was like, how can I make that a career? And so I was going, I'll be a biblical counselor. And I was looking, I was looking into Fuller's Theological Seminary, very liberal school, but a good school mm. academically. And then I was thinking about going for a degree in biblical counseling and actually be a licensed counselor in the Christian perspective. Good money. Good money, and, and I felt equipped because I do have mental illness. I've lived yeah. with it. I'll probably always live with it, and I can help. I maybe I'm equipped to help others. Mm-hmm. And so, I um, I was just I don't even remember where I was. I think I was visiting a bunch of different churches right now. I was I didn't want to be Baptist. I was still speaking in tongues or what they call tongues. Really? I was still I had I had my I'm doing air quotes private prayer language. And I didn't want to be Baptist because they stifle the spirit and all that stuff. And that can be true in certain churches. But mm-hmm. um, at that point, I was still coming out of the charismatic movement. But you believe that you were being called by God to preach. Well, it, not at this point. Oh, I lost, at, this point. at this point, I was still, I was like, I didn't know where I was going. Oh, okay, I get it. I get As my dad much. would tell people, he's on my couch finding himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While he's working eight-hour shifts, yeah. but in a hot warehouse. But anyway, and so... Um. So I was I was I was just visiting churches. I decided I was going to be a biblical counselor. You know, I was I was in that stage where you're when you're young, you're daydreaming, you're building a plan, but mm. you're procrastinating. You're, yeah. You don't as mm. you know you know how that is. Oh yeah. And you know it, it was a time where everyone, because of that social media age, mm. and I always wish I grew up in an age before the internet. Yeah. Like in the Tolkien era, being a pub with C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. just writing books, you know, something like that. Just the old world, you yeah. know, it was just books. Because with social media, it's real easy to lose faith in yourself watching someone else's life go through good times. Yeah. And I was remembering all my classmates from high school 
And just to let everyone know that C.S. Lewis joke, I don't drink. That was a joke. <laughs> um, I'm a Baptist preacher in alignment with the church covenant. So I am not, <laughs> I am not current. I do not drink. Um, but where was I with that? Uh, you, you said you wish you were in the old era. Yeah, because, you know, with social media, you're like, I was watching all my classmates who I hadn't seen in years who, you know, was high school, but I'm mm-hmm. seeing them get married. I'm seeing them yeah. graduate with nursing degree because everyone gets a nursing degree now. But it's a good, it's a good, mm-hmm. it's a it's good, good job, it's but good. Everyone, everyone does it. Though. Everyone does it, yeah, but it's, it's good. <laughs> it is good, but I was seeing them all doing things with their lives, getting married, having kids, and I'm sitting here on my dad's couch finding myself. Yeah. And so I was having depression from that, and that depression lasted until I went to TBI. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so I was really just lost, not spiritually, but just directionally. Mm-hmm. And man needs a purpose, you know, especially, I mean, manly men, like a manhood. Yeah. You need something to fight for. You need a purpose. You mm-hmm. need to build something. There's nothing sadder than someone who has no purpose, no drive, mm-hmm. no direction. <clears throat> and so... My mom's pastor, who was a Southern Baptist, he reached out to me and, and was in, you know offered to counsel me. And so I would go to his office, and I would talk to him. And I started I started I would eventually move my membership there. And so I would I was attending that church, but before I became a member, he was helping me figure it out. Yeah. And I remember I went to his office. I mean, he's he's credentialed. He he still he got his. He's done. I think he went to Southwestern Theological, one of the big names, mm-hmm. SBC seminaries. Learned in Greek, has a degree in Greek, has his bachelor from Baylor. You know, he's very does his devotionals in Greek. Very smart man. Very good pastor. Very. He's been in the same church for thir- for twenty something years. Wow. And he, I went in there, and was just counseling with them. And basically, in his words, I preached to him for about an hour. Hmm. And I, I made a comment about biblical counseling. And he goes, wait, you're you're not here for a calling to ministry? And I was like, well, I, I don't I don't feel called. You know, I just, that's what I was saying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about another line of word because, you know, what, 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 what's been going on. And he goes, but you've been preaching to me for the past hour. So all wow. I did, all I did, was talk theology to him. Mm-hmm. Not something the average layman does. Right. Yeah. Now they should, but they don't. You know, every Christian man and woman should be learned in the Bible mm-hmm. as much as the preacher. Definitely. But they're not. Yeah. And that's that. That's that's a whole other podcast. That's especially that should be the hashtag. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But yeah. you know, <laughs> we can't chase every rabbit. But and so I just. And I said, well, do you think I'm called? Because I would lost complete faith in myself. And he goes, well, I can't say that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't pull crap me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that. Like, no, you can't. I'm, I'm looking for hope right now. I'm looking mm-hmm. for what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm-hmm. There's got to be more to life than working this part-time blue-collar job. Mm-hmm. And some men are called to work that long job, raise that family, yeah. raise up the next generation. I just... Truthfully, if I wasn't pastoring or ministering or in the theological work of some kind, I would, I would be depressed and miserable. I would feel like I'm not contributing to the world. I would oh, wow. feel like, I would feel like I'm not doing anything in my life. Mm-hmm. But you know, some like you know our dads, you know, they're church members mm-hmm. and they their job was to raise their families. Yeah, and, and I believe good. 
Christian men and like so us. Yeah. I believe well. <laughs> <laughs> I believe God calls us each and gives that measure of faith that, that need for the call, the right. walk that he yeah. gives them. And so my identity is very much wrapped up in my calling to ministry. Whether that's right, wrong, healthy, and healthy, it's just the truth. Yeah. And so when he said that, I was like, I kind of metaphorically put him in a corner and said, just tell me, in your honest opinion, if you if your back was in the corner and you had to answer me, what would you say? And he says, I think you're called to ministry. And so that's, Do you think you were wanting to hear those words? Or looking back, uh, you, were you wanting him to say it? Or were you... Where no, were you at I that was, point? At that, well, obviously, it's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I was afraid it just wasn't... You know, I'd lost, I'd lost confidence you think, in myself. You, you think you just needed someone to tell you? Yeah, maybe. You just think you were just... Because I was fully daydreaming about being a Christian counselor, um, having an excuse to study theology and apply it, and make money for my family. Because you remember when I talked to you, I told you. It was, About your, uh, when you were trying to justify not being a pastor? You, yeah, whatever. <laughs> or whatever. a minister or a preacher? <laughs> well, I told you. I said, look, I'm just a concerned church member. But I kept asking, what was it like being called, you know, to preach? And, and, and in a way, when you just said, you know, when you put his back into a corner, I felt like that's what I kind of did with you. I was like, you know, well, how does it, how do you know when you're called? Oh, I wasn't, um... To quote my grandmother, my grandmother, I wasn't pussyfooting around. Like, right. you know, that's not a bad word. It's like a cat when it walks. Right, you know, right, yeah. I, I was. I told you the truth. Like you know, mm-hmm. why aren't you called? You have this desire. You're already doing the work of the ministry at your church. You're just not getting paid. You don't have a title. Right. You haven't had that laying on of hands and ordination, but mm-hmm. you're doing the work. And so, and that's you know, like we talked about, if, if you're struggling with the calling, you're called yeah. most likely. The layman doesn't worry about it. And layman just means non-clergy. Mm-hmm. The normal American Christian man isn't worried about it yeah. because he's worried about his family. He's worried about paying the bills mm-hmm. and doing the secret devotions at home. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's when I was getting ordained, I read that church covenant about 10 times. It was right in front of me. Really? And I love that secret devotions. And if mm-hmm. everyone's doing their secret devotions, everyone's going to know the Bible. But people who are called, in my opinion, have a deeper thirst than yeah. just their daily Bible verse. And some people are satiated with that, right or wrong they are. And, you know, I wasn't. I was always reading something, and it's just because I had that desire. And so, yeah, I, being like I, what Paul said, you know, he always says in opening letters, an apostle by the grace of God, it is a grace and a gift to be in the ministry. It's a, it's a burden at the same time. And Dr. Proctor at seminary, who my preaching professor, calls it the haunting of the pulpit. Yeah. And I do. So there's a part of me that dreads every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that just loves it in the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a huge relief when I afterwards because, you know, it is a stressful thing. You're literally, you know, as one preacher once said, you know, as he walked into his big old pulpit, you know, as a lamb led to the slaughter. Yeah. You know, it is the uh, a, a burden, but it is a blessing. And it definitely makes you take your it, – it, it ensures, especially if you're wanting to be the best pastor, preacher, theologian, Bible teacher that you could possibly be, you have to do your secret devotions. You have to you have to ensure that your walk with Christ is where it needs to be, so you can be used. And God cannot use a sinful pastor. He I mean, he could, but normally he doesn't. Yeah. And so it definitely being a pastor motivates me to to ensure my walk with Christ is where it needs to be. I become well when I got married, I became a much better Christian because I had something. To, I had I had responsibilities now. Right. When my my wife got pregnant, I have responsibilities now. If I lead my life in destruction, my son will follow me. 
Now, that doesn't mean I did it for nefarious or, or selfish reasons, but, you know, there's a pastor, uh, Mark Driscoll said, you know, men are such a weird creation. He said something like that, where we, if we, if we don't have responsibilities, we're all over the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that's why, you know, the it Bible... seems to be very true the older I get. And the yeah. Bible teaches to get married young and have lots of kids. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you're going to live right for the most yeah. part. If you're following, if you're wanting the heart of the, to have a heart of Jesus, you know, you're going to want to take care of your kids. You, you want to lead your wife right. And so, and when, when you're a pastor, you know, when you could be disqualified by your walk, it ensures that if yeah. you really care for your ministry and you care for how God looks at you, because we're taught that seminary, we preach to God. That's who we're trying to please, yeah. not the church member. Not we're not men pleasers, as as Peter said to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, being a pastor, being a preacher, going to seminary, being able to do that that I love yeah. in my very nature that God's placed in me is a grace. It's a blessing mm-hmm. and a cross to bear. It's a the Christian life is so full of duality, so full of contradiction, the yeah. foolishness of preaching, if you will, but. I chased a big rabbit on that one. Or was no, on that was the beginning. I mean, that was perfect. Man. Um, maybe as a as another young man who is in the earlier stages of his yeah. ministry, you can relate a little bit. Maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know the struggles of because to me, you know, it was more like I wanted to be one hundred and twenty percent sure that I was called to preach because everyone on this podcast knows. In fact, I don't even think I've mentioned on the podcast yet. Oh, my, my but, bad. I didn't mean no, to, no, no, no. I, I mean, didn't mean to metaphorically people, throw you out the closet, so to speak. That, yeah. <laughs> but. but, you know, most people in, in my personal life, they already, they, everyone knows. I mean, uh, Grandpa wants me to preach at his church as soon as I have a sermon ready just to give me some more experience. But, um, you know, when we got married, I mean, it was maybe a month after that. And even before that, when I went to seminary when I was 18, I felt something. Yeah, you went to that, that Bible college. I went, I went to uh, an in, independent you know, Bible college. It was I've, been, a, it was, I've been to one too. The, yeah. I've been to an independent school. I'll get to that. But go but, ahead. Um, <laughs> it was uh, you know, just a small college and a little, small little seminary, and, um, which it had males and females. You know, it wasn't like it was just, just young guys. But we've got some. We've got some women at TBI. At TBI, yeah. Not for pastoring, but they're for well, um. Yeah. Because <laughs> we are Baptist here. Yes. Um, real Baptist. But uh, <laughs> I think there, I want to say, Lord planted a seed, yeah. and that seed just grew. When we got married back in October, I remember feeling or questioning: Should I? Am, am I called to preach? Mm-hmm. I mean, Lord, are you calling me to preach? Are you calling me to preach? Are you calling me to preach? And I struggled with this up until maybe a couple a month and a half ago. And I um, and so, I guess so was I was I your Southern Baptist preacher that yes that, uh, <laughs> I mean when, when, when I'm honored <laughs> when I came to ask you what was it like to be called by God and you gave me an answer and everything and it was it was something you were like I really can't explain it I just, just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to that's what the Bible and says it, if you desire good things yeah, what Paul it, tells Timothy and it bothered me because it seemed so effortless it seemed like well that doesn't seem right it, it's I feel like you to be called is like an unbearing weight. It's like a ton of bricks on your mm-hmm. on your shoulders until you surrender on, is when you're going to find peace. And you know the funny thing is, salvation is just that easy. Yeah, people want yeah. this. That's why I had some such assurance problems. Is I always wanted that that 
Saul moment on the road yeah, to Damascus, or sometimes it's just as simple as what you said. You lean into it. You yeah. do what you're you want to do, which is give your life to Christ. But yeah. I'm, I'm off topic. Sorry. No, no, that was that was. I mean, it was, it was what it was. You know, I was <clears throat> I was looking for that weight. I was looking for God just to shine this light in my eyes and force me to to surrender to the ministry. But what I didn't realize was the more it bothered me, the more I questioned it. That was the weight. That was God putting that weight on. Because well, was, I think this podcast was, was born because you were having that burning it, in your yeah, in your bones. Woe was me if I don't preach the gospel. And you were trying to express it, trying to let some of that steam yeah. out. And in well, God's providence, you know, this is obviously reaching, what, 800 it, people? Yeah, so right God, now, 800 people. God is it, moving. It has reached 800 people. So God's so moving. Even, even when you were... I don't want to say disobedience, but procrastination. You, yeah, God's procrastination. Working, work, God's or working. testing. I mean, you know, just un, unsure. Yeah. But you know, like when it first started, I had I had taken over the youth, and I and I talked about the bill about it, and I said, "Hey, I, you know, I'll fill in. I'll be your filling." And he listened to me once, and he said, "I want you to take it over. You know, you you have this drive, and, yeah. and your, your teaching is awesome. So because I could, I'm all it was that I could relate. Well, a few weeks before you called me at my parsonage and mm-hmm. said, "I've surrendered the ministry," I told Elena, "That man's going to mentally surrender the ministry." Yeah, and I, said, I already, I already called it. Like I, I think the, it's the called. day <laughs> I asked you about it, about you know what was it like? You said. Um, you didn't, you didn't expect me to say that, did you? Because no. I, I kind of no, that's what I said to you because yeah. you you asked. I, I told you why why aren't you called? And you yeah. I remember you said that you just looked at me and I was like, you weren't expecting me to say that, were you? Because everyone yeah. else was telling you the easy answers, mm-hmm. and I, I take more of that independent man. Just like, where does the Bible say you got to be called? Right. Yeah. Like, do you desire it? Are you qualified? Mm-hmm. Why not? It, it is like and so, that. which I do believe we're called, but at the same time, you know, we put so much emphasis on the calling. Because yeah, people honestly was, want yeah. an excuse not to do it. Yeah, I think that's you know that's a lot of people's, a lot of people's thing. And I can't, I don't, and I don't try to glorify myself. I didn't have that running. I can remember when I was a little kid, I would have thoughts like, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to mm. be a preacher. But I was lost then, so I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. Right, I just yeah. know when I was saved, all I wanted was to be at the church. Mm. And I thought, in my ignorance, I thought, oh, I get to work at the church and be a pastor and be a mm-hmm. preacher that sounds great <laughs> that sounds great and it is great but it is it's a lot of work yeah. like goodness I've cried at my wife two or three times or more than that probably and I've only been <laughs> pastor in a month I've had no controversies in the church yet yeah. I haven't had to throw out any heretics I haven't mm-hmm. even had to counsel any broken homes I haven't had to do anything you read about in church history right. but just, really just studying but just studying balancing my family my home life mm-hmm. which you know you know as a newlywed, you know, and a pregnant wife, I gotta give her time. I gotta right. facilitate to, you know, she 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 needs her husband. Mm. And then at the same time, you know, I gotta I'm pre- I'm preaching twice a week. And you know, when you're getting paid for it, it adds more stress to it. Does and it? when you're not doing pulpit supply or you're preaching at fill in churches and you have to stay after the sermon, mm-hmm. it puts a lot of pressure. And even the temptation to be a man pleaser. And you have to squash that. And so, but the weight of having to study and prepare for sermons twice a week and eventually three times a week once I start starting out services. Plus, I'm a full-time seminary student. Yeah. And hopefully I'll get my associate's degree this summer. And I'm, me and my, I'm discussing with my wife and praying about how far I want to go. But I'm at least wanting to go to my master's of English Bible, which is three, three years That's from That's awesome. But all that weight 
And I told her, as long as it doesn't take away from my pastorate or from my family, mm-hmm. financially or time-wise, I'll keep pursuing it. Because we've talked about me writing books, just in the future daydreams with my wife. Right, yeah. And so, you know, I want to be prepared for that as much as God wants me to. But, but balancing all that is very stressful. Yeah. And so, it's, a, it's even right now, a month in, it is a lot more work than I thought. But I still love it, even though it stresses me out. Yeah. And so, I don't know where I was going with that, but the point is, you know, that's, I kind of just wanted to do it, and I had that desire. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's just, you know. See, with me, it was more just like, you know, I, there was a great fear of, am I called to preach? And I don't want to accept or think I'm called when I'm not. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had taken over the youth, and for some reason, it didn't satisfy the questioning. I kept having these questions, mm-hmm. like, am I called? Am I called to preach? What? You know, you know, so what, I, I you know get... what that is, though? Why? Because at that point, you weren't all in yet. At that yeah, point, at that point, it's like when I came to visit your sister at your house before mm-hmm. me and her were dating, and I came to see her in person. Yeah. I still had time to pull to get in the other mm-hmm. lane if yeah. I wasn't satisfied. So if you're not ordained, if you haven't had the presbytery examine you and make you official, yeah. you, you know, or... You can't really get at this point. You can't get out of it now. Yeah. Or even when you know, when you get licensed, when your church you know commissions you to preach the gospel officially, mm-hmm. you know that when when which I think you're all in now. I'm I mean, all in now because you yeah. surrendered. But the deeper you get into it, you know, it, it's like this is my life now. Yeah. Well, where you where you were at, you were doing something to facilitate your desire to preach the gospel in that in that aspect. Yeah. But you were doing something a deacon should be doing. You were, or yeah, should be, right. our deacons should be preaching and teaching and, you know, and so, and, or a layman. I love when Brother Parker said that. Or Pro- no, uh, uh, Proctor. Proctor. <laughs> Brother Parker said, you know, it's deacons, true. they, they, they Matthi- do preach while well, they should. Matthias and Stephen yeah, were deacons. Yeah. And so, but pretty much at that point, there wasn't a whole lot of responsibility or strings attached. Right. When you accept the calling and then as you're further, um, acknowledged by your local church when you go through seminary and you put all that money into it or what how how far you go some preachers don't go and they they don't and they do great ministry yeah it's just a good investment but the more you invest into the calling and give yourself over to it like i'm you know I don't believe they're going to be one of those guys who surrenders and three years later they're doing something else right yeah like, they're selling houses yeah yeah you know <laughs> th- this isn't a game for me like, this is my life. And that's another reason I thought about that. You know, I don't like to tell people this. They take it the wrong way sometimes. But I also felt like I had nothing else to offer the world. I had, I wasn't talented really at anything. But I love to read theology. I had a desire for those. I had a desire for books that the cool kids wouldn't touch. Right. I had a desire for that. And I had, as I developed and chased and leaned into that, I had the gift to teach the Bible, mm-hmm. to preach the Bible, to explain. It was a gift from God. And I do, and my wife tells me it's stupid, but in my flesh at least, or in my heart, I feel like if I wasn't a pastor, I wouldn't have anything to offer the world. Yeah. And I feel like I was create. I felt like I was created for this, designed for this, and God's foreknowledge and all the different, you know, there's Calvinism, Arminianism, mm. Molinism, all these different isms for the foreknowledge and sovereignty of God. But God knew me before I existed, and he placed me here 
for this. And I believe that. And so I never ran from that. I lost faith in myself and I was lost for a little bit, but all I needed was someone to believe in me and push me. And so I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that for you. You know, because I do believe yeah. you're going. I do believe you're going to be, you know, a pastor. I believe you're going to be. I, 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 I want to, I want to say so. You, you know, know, I don't know exactly. What I believe. God's I is. certainly believe you have the people skills for it. You have the, the knowledge, and if you have, you know, if you need to study more to get more knowledge, I believe you have the capacity for for knowledge at the very least. Yeah. I don't know. We have it. This is our first like without our wives present, our families. Without families, family, so I don't really, it's just me and you. You right seem now. more knowledgeable than the average layman. And so, you know, I think that usually when someone loves theology, they're called. So that's usually how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. But so I do believe you're going to be, and I was not surprised when you called me. I was very <laughs> happy. And I told her, and Lena asked me, what you think? I said, I called it two weeks ago, literally. <laughs> and so. Yeah. But, you know, when I started the podcast, it was like, you know, I took over the youth and I want to start a podcast mm-hmm. because I just, it was all, like you said, it was almost like I, I gradually went into it, you know, because it was years of, mm-hmm. am I, am I, am I, am I called, am I called, am I called, and then now it's just weighing on me. But like I said, it wasn't like heavy burden. It was just, a you know, am I called to preach? So I decided to do this podcast. It, it was originally just supposed to be like, you've ever seen those, um, YouTube vloggers, mm-hmm. which is a vlog, their farms and everything. This podcast was not intended for to reach almost a thousand people. It was intended for me and Mallory to have conversations, storm in our phones, maybe share it with some fan, friends and family, and just to look back 10 years from now. Because, you know, you see Facebook photos 10 years ago, eight years ago. You're like, oh man, I remember those days. This was kind of what this was supposed to be. And I know I've said this a thousand times on the podcast. I know. But it turned into, I, I, you know, I, I, let me do a devotional. Let me at least yeah, I present remember, what I remember I, the first one you did, and it was over um, anger, I think. It was over anger. and Because yeah. I we were boys. Yeah, we were having that. We have a, I told Elena, me and you have this friendly competition brother-in-law thing. Yeah. And I think yeah. at first it was kind of hostile, but now it's more friendly. Well, <laughs> And so I told her she, yeah. she 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 um, which I think we're friends. I consider you a friend now, obviously. But you know, dating Elena was a culture shock for y'all's family. I know, but yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> well, Elena had not I know. been with anybody, and <laughs> <But> so <goats. laughs> it was. And I hate to say it like this, but when I first met you, I wanted to say that's the guy. You know, that really? we because remember we sat there at Trent's graduate it was Trent's graduation, right? Yeah, we had a barbecue. We talked forever. We joked around. We talked about, you know, Linkin Park, you know. The band, yeah. Yeah, the band, and, you know, music and everything. Movies. No, 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 it was Nickelback. It was Nickelback. Nickelback. <laughs> Let's not chase that rabbit. Yeah, no, that's off air, that's off topics. But I wanted to say that, but when, I don't know how to explain it, man. And I don't even think we've talked about it yet. But there's something about seeing your sister, your, like another mother, because Elena was so motherly. Yeah. That's what she was or to all of us. She's only a year and a half, nine months older than me or something like that or um, whatever, just a, not not that much older than me. But she was like a second mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, she fed, she cooked, she washed clothes. I mean, she did all the stuff motherly. And she would be mean like a mother too. <laughs> <laughs> but just to see her go, to see her with somebody, with another man and 
all of a sudden getting married. It was it was a shock and yeah. And he was wrong of me for sure, but it was more like I just had not anger towards. Oh, I get it. Like anything. I know it's just I know when I proposed just, when I proposed to her, all your other your, your younger brothers just walked around the house all depressed and mad. I it thought was, it was fun. Now everyone loves me. And I, yeah, all the tension of being the the Barrios <laughs> homewrecker is right. gone. Now I'm part of the family. But it's weird to become a, a part of the family, isn't it? Because you know yeah. it was like that with the Willingham's when I married Mallory, and now all our families are having cookouts together. Oh, and yeah. most most in-laws don't do that. No. And I, I love it. When, so when when both sides of the family can get together, yeah. that that is That's, that's what I've told awesome. I've told Elena, like, you know, I've grown up in a family where I predominantly was raised with Willis's because right, of different yeah. towns and, and whatnot. And I just told her, you know, I, I, it's my desire for both of our families to be actively and equally involved. Yeah. And what a blessing that'll be. For different, you know, different perspectives mm-hmm. from different backgrounds and just, you know, but all Christian. All, all Christian. And, you know, and so, where was I going with that? What were we talking about before all this? Oh, yeah, we had we had this friendly competition. Yeah. And, and you know, when you lose 15 pounds, I'm like, I, I got to lose 10 pounds. Or right, I gotta, yeah. now, now I'm going to the gym more and lifting weights more. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like, I'm, I've been going to the weight room more. But she showed me, we were driving home from, I think, your parents' house, actually. We were married. And she showed me your podcast and then i was like i had nothing negative to say yeah because <laughs> it was yeah. it was a good exegesis of the text it was good it was expository it preaching. was simplified almost you could say but yeah but exegesis means you actually broke down the text yeah. and you got the meaning from the text you weren't putting eisegesis into it you right. weren't you weren't forcing your own interpretation or opinion into the bible you were in that chapter you were letting the opinion of the bible come out of the text and i respected it and i told her well that's that's good that was good yeah yeah and And you know i had a lot of buddies that were like yeah it was good it was good good. there was was a lot of negative almost towards and it made me uncomfortable they got negative about it Uh, some of them did some of them because um just i don't know they i guess not so much negative but more like well i mean who was saying that, friend? You ain't gonna say names, but um, some gold college buddies, some old college from buddies. Bible college, from Bible college. Really, yeah. I, I saw nothing um, improper. Not Caleb Shainer. <laughs> I, I saw nothing improper with your hermeneutics of how you yeah. handled the text. Some um, of the, some of them were not so much negative, just uh, what do you would you call um, friendly, critical, or what? Uh, what would you call that? Hard love, something like that. <laughs> well, there's a, there's some truth to that. You know, when you start doing a lot of preaching in churches yeah. and stuff. Take the old lady's compliments with a grain of salt. Right, yeah. Because I've been told recently, you're the next Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that sounds like crap. But I like <laughs> it. I like it. I let my wife keep me humble at yeah. home. Yeah. But um, no, I, I thought I was very impressed, honestly. I had no... I was kind of disappointed because I couldn't vent. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. criticize because it was good. Yeah. And so I think, honestly, I think our brotherly-in-law... Has bloomed a good friendship, you know. I really think so too. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, it was just hard. That's why I just I don't know. I don't really know how to explain. I know you don't have a sister, and you know our whole lives. And I know it was all of us, all of us boys, the Barrio boys. Like when I when I made your unnamed brother cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me, and her, me and her were cuddling. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. 
But you know, I was and I was asleep. Like, what's going on? Like, but you remember how supportive I was and happy, yeah. and I defended you. You did. Jamal. You did. That was that night. Yeah. Yes. You called um, us. And I was. Uh, oh, Elaine is gonna be mad at me. It was gonna be okay, and everything was right. But it was the. It was when y'all got engaged, up until y'all got married. It was just in between that time frame. It was. I don't know what it is, man. It's. It's just you. You're letting go. You're letting yep. go because you know your sister's not gonna be. That sister anymore. I mean, she's your sister, but you know, she's your wife now, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's a different platform. It's a different, you it's, know. It's the it's the trend. It's the transfer of headship, if yeah, you will. You yeah. know, which which dad which, seemed to have an easy time, with and it. you know, some in laws don't. Oh, they, my they, in-laws are right now. They know good and well. They've had some trouble with uh, it. I wasn't going to say that, but I was, <laughs> oh, was going to keep it general. We had a conversation <laughs> the other day, brother. Let me tell you. But some people, they and your parents, they let go. As soon as it, it was in a well, covenant. Mom and dad were like, go. <laughs> as soon as it was a covenant relationship. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And so. But, but some, until some then. Oh, but oh. <laughs> They were the thorn of my side, lovingly. Yeah, and maybe, uh, maybe in God's foreknowledge, we needed that. I don't know, but yeah. it, you, you look when you get well, as, you, as you get older, and you can mature in a few months, especially when you're it's married. It's amazing how fast when you get married, how fast you, yeah, your mind look, changes. Looking back, I understand. Yeah, it still ticked me off at the time because you know I mm-hmm. we you know. Well, you know we we weren't fornicate. We were being biblical Christians, right, and, yeah, and you yeah. know we weren't. You know we 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 were followers of christ you know right. we were just in love and we were you know i got to see her on the weekends mm-hmm. and but you know sometimes god knows that you need that yeah that parental headship to keep you from making mistakes right and looking back it was a blessing to be, what, it was a blessing to be aggravated yeah because honestly that aggravation and other stuff pushed us to get married because mm-hmm. we were tired of the drive and we were tired of, and it, it, it just you know I fear if I didn't have that strict in-laws, mm-hmm. you know, making sure just for the benefit of the doubt that yeah. nothing's going on, we've got that protection and that desire builds to get married. Right. For right. her to be mine and no one can say I can't go see her. Right, she can't come yeah. see me. You know, she's mine now. There's rules. And some parent do what? And there's rules, you know. Yeah, and I don't want rules respect. anymore, you yeah. know. Oh, and, and, I've been there. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, even Paul, <laughs> even Paul says, if you get, if you burn, get yeah. married. And yeah. so, you know, when you, and that's why people don't get married nowadays, man. We're, we're chasing true. some rabbits. Let's chase them. People, well, it's, it's when people topic. are milking the cow for free, they yeah. don't want to get married. Well, you know, and they, they, so, everything's, expo- everything's to their disposal. Exactly. Know, it's the same no thing. Limit. It's the same thing with salvation, the calling of ministry. Yeah. If you're not all in, you can still get all out. Yeah. And so... You know, if you never burn with desire, you're not really wanting to get married. And so all that facilitated to me wanting to get married, ready to take that step. And some the point is some in laws, some people can't let go. Mm-hmm. Y'all y'all let go. I have to understand your brother. She practically raised y'all. Oh yeah. And so definitely. Um and when she transitions under my headship as the husband and you know, a lot of people don't preach that anymore. The mm-hmm. husband is the head of the wife, and the well, wife is to submit to her husband. That's the truth. And no, it's not sexist. It's the truth. And so, the way God had it. 
And I, I really grew in love and respect for your parents when they respected that instantly. I never, ha I, I have not had a problem with your parents once after the marriage. You know, when me and Mallory were dating. They have respected me as their son-in-law and yeah. husband. And you know, a husband of their daughter. When so. me and Mallory were dating, um, <clears throat> it got, here's what, uh, let me just say this real quick just to put it behind. Here's why I got really future brother-in-law attitude was because... Mallory and I, we she was 18, I was 20. Mm -hmm. Y'all dated for a long time. And mm -hmm. we dated for like three <clears throat> years, man. And it wasn't because we were procrastinating or anything. It was simply because we were young and we just were not ready. Uh, and I know you can't, you can never be ready for marriage. But, but when, was, you, when you start dating underage in high school, you, you yeah. obviously you're going to spend more time with each other until you get married. And yeah. So, and so we took it slow. We, we, uh, I got my CDL, which, you know, pretty much my, my education she finished her education where she can go work we bought a house we bought a car you know we we got all our ducks in a row and it took that long it took three years to get it in a row once we got in a row we went from well we're getting married to november well let's bump it up to september it was only like two months three months ahead so we quickly you know got everything together and got married so when we could get married we did but so how long was, did y'all date like three years, or maybe it was like wow. two, two years. As, he, as, a, as a fellow person who practiced abstinence, yeah. three years is a long time. It was, I'm, I'm it not was gonna, a struggle. I'm it not going to say anything, struggle. but I think everyone's, we're adults here, we can be honest. This yeah. is When you're living for Jesus and you're fighting your flesh Absolutely. and you're succeeding in fighting your flesh, yeah. you know, that's a long, that's a, it, it is. It's, that's why it can, people got to be real careful with letting their kids date. Yeah. Because yeah. dating and even, you know, even, which I'm not a parent, but I mean, even people, I'm sure people you went to school with and homeschool grew, people I, I went to school mm -hmm. with, or just people we may know, you know, they're dating people for eight, nine years. Yeah. And that's just dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's, it's, and I, I guess in my experience, you know, I got married quick and it worked out. But, you know, that's a different person, how long they date, but it is, there is a burning. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're being faithful to Christ and faithful to each other, in waiting, there's going to be a burning. There's going to be yeah, a definitely. a buildup of the flesh, and you have to lean into Jesus for that. And in my experience, it was I, I felt it was better to just get married when I, if I if I know she's the one. Yeah, for sure. But but the point of all that was, you know, I enjoyed how you your exposition of the text about anger in your first podcast and. I was not surprised when you surrendered. Hmm. Um, I thought it was just, it was very fitting. It seemed like no one, it's weird, man, because it it, it shocked me. Like, you remember Tristan? Yes, yes, I remember My Tristan. My he was actually telling me when we met you at the cookout, I want him to come to TBI, man. I want him to come to really? Texas Institute. <laughs> he needs to come to school with us. And, because uh, he's real big about drop everything. And, yeah. And yeah. there's truth to that. But, you know, he even, I think he even saw something in you. Yeah. And I so... Maybe a lot of people did because no one's surprised. But there's it's, also... Someone, there is, it seems there, like I'm the only one surprised. And there is you know? <laughs> virtue in being told if you can do anything else, do it. Yeah. Because we do need men who their lives is ministry. It's not just a hobby. And so I understand. I think, I think your grandpa told you that. If you can do anything else, do it. Do it, yeah. I've had friends whose grandpa's told them that. Grandpa... Um, grandpa I'm more like, why not? If I yeah. can see that, if I see it, I'm, I'm going to challenge people on it. Grandpa always said, um, <clears throat> if you want to be a preacher, be a preacher. You know, because if the Lord's calling you, you can't run from it. But 
if you can be anything else, be it because there's no money in being a preacher, <laughs> you know, you can't get rich off of it, you know, serving the Lord. Uh, the Lord can definitely bless you. He can bless but you. But you should not, you're right, you should not you go into it. You can't become a CEO. You, know, you should you, not go into it wanting money. Wanting money. That should exactly. not be the driving force. And sadly, you know, for a lot of people that is either the reason they go into ministry or the reason they don't go into ministry. Right. The cause of the American dream. The quote unquote, you know, chase that. Chase the money. Chase that American flag yeah. and all the, the pursuit of happiness. And there's truth to that. But I'm just saying, you know, people get worried about money too much. Yeah. And just to anyone who's listening, I guess, I don't mean to take over your show or anything. No, hey, <laughs> I'm just really comfortable. You're the guest, man. You know, we're talking about the call in the ministry, but, you know, we're all called to do something. That's right. And we're all called to seek God's counsel, what He wants us to do. So for anyone who's like breathing a sigh of relief, oh, I'm not called to ministry. You're called to something or you wouldn't be here. That's right. Like we're created for a purpose. And God's all-knowing. He knows your life. He's put you here for a purpose. And our purpose is to find that purpose and then glorify Him in it. Well, I'm so, glad you found your purpose, man. I mean, it's mm-hmm. your story, brother, has been, you know, because like I said, this is the first time we've really got to sit down besides, because yeah. usually it's, Family gatherings. It's family gatherings. Mm-hmm. You're talking to someone. I'm talking to someone. If we're talking, it's a, a bunch of people. I mean, we've sat here almost two and a half hours just chit-chatting and getting to know each other. And uh, Did you want to touch on me meeting Elena and that real quick? Or? Yeah, we can do that I real don't know. How, 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 long, how much longer you want to go? We can go as long as you want. Let's okay. take a break real quick because it has been some time. Okay. And I well, I saw to, you look at the clock. I don't want to. Well, I need to refill my coffee. Because I can do this as long as I want. This yeah. is fun. I like this. <laughs> but, um. Well, let's touch on that next. <laughs> Don't go away, y'all. I'm Landon Barris. I'm with Jeremy Bowers, and this is By the Campfire with the Barrises. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Landon Barris, and this is By the Campfire with the Barrioses. I'm joined here with Jeremy Bowers, my brother-in-law. Jeremy, how are you feeling so far? Doing real good. Doing good. You Having like fun. this, man? Oh, yeah. I'm liking it. You've never done a podcast, have you? No, no. No, this is your first time? You've never been on, like, any, well, I guess you've never been on, like, radio or anything of that no, nature. No, no podcast, mm-hmm. uh, no Facebook Live or anything like that. Uh, well, besides you preaching, my live, my church live streams my sermons on Sundays. Right, so that's about right, it. right. But uh, it's been a blast, man. It's been a lot of fun doing this with you. Oh, yeah. I hope we can do this a lot more often. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we talked about it, you know, off the air about possibly doing a Calvinism point of view, um, more of a reputation, reputation, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Because I don't, I don't know a whole mm-hmm. lot about it. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but we can definitely, most certainly, talk about it. You know, and however you want to, whatever you talk about. Because I know you come from that, and you say you've completely turned away from that and stuff yeah. of that nature. But anyway, so we got some plans up ahead. But uh, like I, figured, I said, man, it's I been fun. We could, we could do some in the future of you know, Bible translations and all kinds oh, of, all man, kinds we, of there, theology there's, we can There's talk. an endless amount yeah. of what we could do here. Um, like, I think we reached the same conclusion on Bibles that might have some different thoughts along the way. And sure, be good yeah. to hash those out. And sure. Um, iron sharpeneth iron. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the main thing is um, having this kind of conversation. 
Because, you know, there's a lot of young people out there that they don't know who to talk to. Mm -hmm. uh, They don't... There may be a lot of young folks out there. And when I mean young folks, I don't mean just teenagers. I'm talking about... Young adults. Young adults. And from like 18 to 32, maybe 35, you know, pushing it, whatever. But, um... You know, there may be some people out there that they don't, they're looking for down-to-earth Christians, and they don't know these kind of conversations. They've never heard of these things, or they want to step foot in church, but they're a little scared to, you know, or whatever the case might be. Having a podcast like this where two young guys, normal, I mean... And I'm, you're 23. I'm, I'm 23. I'm 28. Yeah, so. I mean, it's down-to-earth guys mm-hmm. talking about the Bible, you know, talking about things of the Bible. We can get on here and just talk about, you know... Anything really? I mean, it's it, it's a conversational platform, but it's a it's a clean platform. Yeah. You know, let's say one day we want to talk about having gardens. We can maybe <laughs> yeah. seriously, or maybe one of these days we can talk about having you know what our kids are like and how we complain and the, what it's like being a father and stepping into these um the this world of becoming a father. But um, speaking of which, you know, Jeremy, let's let's jump into that. Uh, let's talk about. Meeting Elena, mm-hmm. your wife, my sister, um, and let's talk about that and how how did she change your life? Because I know with I'm a married man also. You and I got married in the same year. I mean, just yeah, mm-hmm. just same months. Of, I mean, just a few months apart. You know, so we're we're right in the same <clears throat> boat together. And from my end, I know it completely flipped my world around for the good. And so my question is. When you met Elena, what were your thoughts about her and all this stuff? I mean, you don't have to get too deep into it. Yeah. However you want to do it, um, <clears throat> how did how did she change you? Okay. How has she been a blessing or a curse <laughs> to your ministry? <laughs> no, I'm joking. But how has, she, how has she affected your life and your ministry? And then after that... Um, kind of really talk about who I was before her and who I am now. And yeah, well, that's that what we stuff. talked about before. You know, you've you've obviously, yeah. you know, we've went through your whole life about being a young man, a young child, growing mm-hmm. up in church, a young man kind of losing it, kind of losing the faith a little bit, you know, kind of went out there just on your own agenda, on your own free will, finding your way back. Now you're a young preacher, you're in college. So from that point on to meeting Elena, how does she change your life and all that stuff? To now, soon to be, well, technically, technically, technically you are a father, even yeah. though uh, he's unborn. But um, just difference in location. Just difference in location. <laughs> that's that's right. Crowder, so. But let's talk about the how Elena changed your life and what's it like and how has it changed your mindset mm-hmm. of becoming a, a dad. Get get adjusted. <laughs> yeah. but, we only uh, got one mic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. Um, well, just I think we hadn't really. Do you mind if we go back and explain how that I went to seminary? However, you want to do it. Okay. Well, after once I returned to the American Baptist Association, Missionary yeah. Baptist. Yeah. Um, because I say that because I'm Missionary Baptist before I'm ABA, mm-hmm. so I, I am Missionary Baptist. And when I, I I was going to an independent Baptist Bible college. It was a um, how you call it, uh, like a satellite school. Oh, in, I understand. In Monroe, Louisiana, yes, yes. and they did the you could uh, churches could do the curriculum in their own church. 
I see. And it was Faith Bible Institute. And that's, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing in my life. I started that when I was just like feeling lost in direction. Well, at least I'll go to Faith Bible Institute and I'll mm. learn the Bible. And I can transfer those credits to seminary. And so I was doing that. And that led me to go on the Texas Baptist Institute Seminary. Yeah. And, you know, that opened up a whole new world to me. And being on my own. And God preparing me, had prepared me to be independent and mature enough to actually handle it this time around. And mm-hmm. so I went to Texas Baptist Institute and Seminary and working towards my associate's degree. And I meet someone you may know, Trent Barrios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your brother, Trent. I guess I know him. And uh, A little bit. I met him and my other friends at, at the seminary. And through them, met a couple other friends. I'm sure you've met Catherine and Schuyler. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> It's all my friends. And Trent was graduating. Now, to really tell you, about, I want to tell you who I was before I met your sister. I, I was really, I, I was more fulfilled than I was when I was still living at home. Yeah. I learned how to share my faith in the workforce with more confidence. I had grown under, you know, good teachers. Uh, Dr. Proctor being the main one, my mentor. He's a blessing. And I was growing in my preaching in his classes, as well as going on pulpit supply and filling in in churches, yeah. being, basically being a traveling salesman, going and preaching at churches that need a preacher for a given Sunday. And, I and how gone, old were you at this point? I was 26, 27. 26. And I had gone through a real bad stint of depression right before I moved. And I lost a lot of weight. And it really became an idolatry in my life. You know, and another way to make myself feel good about myself, yeah. working out, and I was, which obviously I got some husband weight. Oh, I was about to say, you found it. You <laughs> I found, found it right it. back. <laughs> and um, I went from about 250 to about 180, 173. Golly, man. Wow. Working out five, six days a week, lifting weights, counting my calories, low carb, high protein, all that kind of stuff. Was obsessed with it. Just, just as just for a thought, were you disciplining yourself or was that, what was that all about? Um, what is trying to find yourself? It became or? a hobby. It became fun, but it was so also, it, was, it wasn't like, it was a way to process my depression and my OCD. And it, even today it's still so a it hobby. Like a fun, the, fun therapy. Oh, it's hobby. very, it's fun therapy, fun hobby. Yeah. And I still, yeah. I still work out today, okay. although around my schedule, but it was definitely, I got a lot of value from that. Yeah. That I need ultimately should come from God. It was a vain thing, and I make no excuses. It was it was vanity, and it was idolatry, and it was something that had made me feel good about myself. And another way to, you know, due to my anxiety disorder, I was also addicted to nicotine at the time, um, mainly vaping. I don't know if oh, you knew that. I remember this. For and, some reason, I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I know and this. I'm not, you know, I don't think tobacco in of itself is a sin. Right. Like that's my, my biblical opinion on that. Sure. Um, but for me, with, the, with nicotine and vaping, it became an idol, an addiction, something that was negatively affecting my health. Yeah. And I would go through, oh, goodness, five to six vapes a week. The gas station ones a puff. That's pluses. actually not a whole lot, bro. <laughs> really? I mean, I know guys that they vape all day long. We got a guy. Oh, I did. I would vape, and I would spend probably sixty, seventy bucks a week. Yeah, like I would, I would as soon as I got done, I'd go to the gas station and buy more. And I'm, I was yeah. guessing how much I did, but 
And you can ask Trent how much I was always vaping, and yeah. it, I mean I would go to sleep with a vape next to the, on the on. And on, you did this at seminary. Yeah, that's that's. And um, nobody ever said anything. Did anyone know? No, obviously I kept it you to kept myself. It, yeah. Um, and like I said, in of itself, it wasn't a sin. It was a sin because I was abusing it, and I had no moderation, and sure. it became an idol and a way to cope with my with my depression anxiety yeah. because I was still looking for my wife I was still looking for my church I was still I was still in the valley so to speak yeah. looking forward to my future and the only thing that really got me through those dark times of depression and just being unhappy with my life was I know God's got a purpose ahead of me yeah one day it's all going to come together and you and, kept that faith and I kept that faith and yeah I I was weak I was human and, you know, I, I would vape, you know. Sure. And and I say that because that was something your sister did not like. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And it was, a, it, it was something I was already working on before I, met, I was with her. I was already trying to quit. But, you know, nicotine's good, man. It's addictive. Oh, I, I hear you, bro. I hear <laughs> and I have an addictive personality. And so when I got with her, that's who I was. I was... Probably the strongest in my Christian faith that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I was a better Christian than I'd ever been. I the, my I had some problems with with vaping. Yeah. And um. But I was I was really just broken. You know, I'd, I'd been struggling with depression for a long time, and I was slowly growing in fulfillment. But I was still, you know, I was watching, I was still watching my friends' ministries take off, and I was still at school doing nothing and my my roommate for instance was had and is currently very successfully a successful youth pastor in one of our sister churches and i can remember being jealous and covetous because he was doing what i wanted to do you want to mention his name tristan oh okay it was tristan uh, i just didn't know if you were just trying to keep him oh no no just um if anyone's in the 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 truth i I thought i figured it was (laughs) if anyone's in the truth or arp area my former roommate has a wonderful youth ministry if you are looking for a church home at Arp first baptist church but at the time, I was going to that church, and I was just envious that you know, you know he's he's engaged, he's he's getting married soon, he's got the youth pastor, and I want all of that. I'm looking for my wife. I'm looking for a family. I'm looking for my calling. You know, the where I'm going to pastor and do ministry. And so that was what I was dealing with. And so. I met your sister, now, 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 to, to catch us up to where we were, Yeah, who I was, I can remember, you know, I was working nights at a gym, Planet Fitness, and I, I was sleeping. I just got gone to your brother's uh, graduation ceremony. And, Is this the day we met? Yes. Yeah. And I went home, and I took a nap, and I slept, because I was working nights, excuse me, yeah. and Tristan kicked in my door and said, hey, your future wife's outside. Get outside. <laughs> I say, oh, they, were, really they, were, said that. they were all wanting me to talk to your sister. And You know, I was totally oblivious about this. I had no Oh, idea. really? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, when I met you, I was almost like, hey, Elena, check this guy out, <laughs> which apparently was already underway. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a setup. That's why they made her go, and she didn't want to go because mm-hmm. she knew they'd make us talk. But... 
and Trent thought because we were so opposites at the time, it would never work. Well, so he had no, he hadn't, he, he didn't think I was a real threat to actually get with a sister. Right. Little did he know it was going to work out. <laughs> so now he got me for life. I too. think it was just exciting just for her to meet somebody. That too. <laughs> but I, he, he really didn't believe we'd work out. And so, and so I was like, all right, I'm coming out. So I get out of bed, I get dressed, I hit the vape one time, open the door. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, dang, dude. <laughs> I get that nicotine in my veins, you know. Feel my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I walked out and you know, trying to talk to her. I'm not. I've never been a ladies' man. Not no. good with women. And so I was like, "What kind of music do you like?" And you said, "You that. said Celtic Thunder." Yeah. <laughs> and she got all defensive, and so that's when I met her. Mm-hmm. And about two weeks later, you know, I was just, you know, I was like, "I'll just text Trent's sister," you know. I got nothing else going on. You know, if anything else, I can just talk to somebody. Right. Get a little, you know, just talk to somebody. And and he was telling me she's great wife material. You know, if you want someone's going to raise children and have goats and chickens. And, and she was pretty. Yeah. You know, I, I had, and I, I liked her. And I, I tried to really get to know her, but she was always avoiding me. She was real good at shutting guys down, apparently. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> it, it got scary at some time. We thought she'd be a nun. <laughs> We thought we were going to send her one of Catholic, you know, for the sound of music. Where that girl's in there. We're going to, she's going to be one of them girls, you know. Mary Jesus. And so we, so I start texting her. And all I know about her is she's Christian and she loves Star Wars, apparently. Yeah. So I, and I'm a huge Star Wars enthusiast and fan. Yeah. The <laughs> imperial, imperial flag above us. And you can see my models mm-hmm. right here. I mean, I mean, I've, I can quote large portions of the movies oh, and. Yeah. So I, I leaned into that really heavy. Even my knowledge of the expanded universe mm-hmm. in the, the books and the information. And she thought it was hilarious. And that's what made her start liking me. That and I would pick at her about her chickens and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And we just, we fell in love. We started talking. and But we also, you know, <laughs> I was a culture shock to her as well. Because of... Oh, yeah. um, I won't go into great details on that, but just we would debate a lot and argue a lot. And, you know, she was real private about that, too. Like, I mean, as far as I knew. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone I, else knew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was so out of the picture, yeah. man. Honestly, you know, to me, you could have, you know, you could have hung the moon for, for anything, you know? Well, I mean, I wasn't in sin other than my, my nicotine problem. But that was a secondary sin, obviously. You know, if I eat too much fast food, that can be a sin Same yeah. in the same way. But it was just, you know, with, like, movies and music. And, yeah, you sure. know, she was more strict than I was. And stuff of, stuff of Christian liberty issues, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, yeah. And just differences in some Bible interpretation. And we're both the older siblings in our family. Mm-hmm. She's used to being the mother of the second mother. And mm-hmm. she doesn't like to be wrong. And a lot of times she's right. Yeah. And sometimes I'm wrong. And so, but, so we definitely bumped heads a lot in our courtship. Um, but we just realized that, you know, it was God's will and we loved each other. And, you know, it just, it developed super quick. It's hard to put into words. It did develop very quickly. It did. Very and quickly. it motivated, I'm not going to say I changed for her, but I believe God used her to change me, if you will. Because I already wanted to quit nicotine. Right. I already wanted to 
quit the habitual addiction that mm-hmm. I had because it was a drain on my money. And because I wasn't a full time pastor then, right. you know, I was working part time, and so ha- her having her motivated me to do what I'd already wanted to do, which was kick the idol out of my heart, mm-hmm. and what was making me worry about my health and whatnot. Because I didn't want to get diabetes. Nicotine can lead to diabetes and yeah, stuff of that sure nature. Can. And so anyway, she she motivated me through. Th- I think God used her because I needed some. I needed a reason to to. Like that pastor said, you know, men need responsibility. Yeah. And so, anyway, through my relationship with her, I found the encouragement or motivation to quit nicotine. And so, I, I, at a certain point in our courtship, I had my last vape, and which was great because we got twenty bucks a piece. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so, and I haven't vaped since before we were married. Really? I am. I have been. You never nic- vaped in front of her or anything like that? No. No. Now, when, when I pulled up with Trent to meet her at your house, that first cookout, mm. oh, I pulled up. Trent goes, hit that vape one more time. Jimmy, you can't do it in his house. <laughs> and, and eventually, like I said, like I'm nicotine free. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even have the cravings anymore. And that was definitely something not. You know how Paul says in the Bible? All is permissible, yes, yeah, but not all is beneficial. Mm-hmm. But don't be enslaved to any man, something like that. Yeah. And what he's talking, what Paul's talking about in that is, it may be permissible, like it may not be biblically forbidden, mm-hmm. but is it beneficial to your walk with Christ? Right. And it was not beneficial to my walk with Christ. It was a drain on my money, drain on my health. And it certainly wasn't a good witness. Yeah. At least in, in my walk. And so that's something that came about with her was I quit I quit vaping. And was that was that It was definitely just it was for me it's it was permissible but not beneficial. And so yeah. I quit that and it's made me it's you know, it's I save money. Would you consider that a a big how would you? A big accomplishment, getting over that, or was yeah. that, or do you think that was a phase? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because even to this day, I miss it because it's fun. Like it feels oh. good. It's, it's it helps with stress. But most people don't realize this, and you know, mom and dad have no clue. This is probably gonna be the first time they hear about it. Mm-hmm. But when I did sneak out of the house, I used to race. I used oh, really? To race a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would take CJ's car when I was living at CJ's house. I would take his car a lot because he drove. He was driving the truck to work because he had a truck and a work. He had a mm-hmm. truck and a Mustang, and I would go meet people, and it's just some friends I knew, and uh, we'd race. Mm-hmm. We'd race on the weekends and everything, and I was addicted to that, and I love doing that. That's what I did most Saturday nights. If I wasn't mm-hmm. at home with my family or at CJ's or going off seeing some girl. I was racing, and, and yeah. nobody in my family knows that. And this is gonna be the first time when they hear this, be the first time they heard. But yeah, it was, it was an addiction. It was because it was the thrill of it. So, and that was hard to overcome. And it wasn't until shortly at, before I met Mallory's when I just let it all go. Mm-hmm. But, but so that was a real yeah. big accomplishment. And I'm not even gonna. I don't want anyone to take me like like I'm one of those preachers. that's like. 
if you if you use ever use tobacco, it's a sin. I'm not saying right. that. Um, it's like I mean, Charles Spurgeon, one of our greatest prince of preachers in the Baptist mm-hmm. world, you know, smoked cigars till his deathbed. Yeah. And so, um, that's definitely something that everyone has to make their own decision. And honestly, for all denying ourselves for the gospel, that's where I was. Right. It didn't do sure. me any benefits, and and I thought that the other day, like. You know, and I used to crave it bad when I'll be having my OCD panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want, and I'd get kind of angry at Elena, and I would blame her a little bit because this is why I can't have it. <laughs> and but in reality, I wanted to quit yeah. it, and I'd already tried before her. And so that was one benefit that I found the motivation to get rid of something that was unbeneficial to my walk with Christ and ministry. And so, and that's how I treat alcohol. That's how I treat those things. It, because I don't, we have, we, when we go, is it is the Bible against it? That's not the issue. We, that's the wrong answer, sure. wrong question. The question is, is it beneficial? Because yeah. we're not called to liberty just to bask in. I don't know why I'm holding my Bible. I just felt like doing it. Oh, preacher. I hear you, man. <laughs> but Paul says, if, if my brother is offended, I don't eat the meat. Yeah. And so what's most important for me in my walk is my calling to pastor and minister and through that, take care of my family. Yeah. And nothing, no no Christian liberty is worth hurting that. Right. No, none of that is worth losing my purpose. And I think a lot of people, they hit that Christian liberty phase if they're when they're studying their Bibles and they're and they're you know they're they're getting out into the world and like oh I'm free in Christ mm-hmm. we are free in Christ but we're free in Christ to serve others that's right yeah and I'm free in Christ to live for Christ and die to Christ, die to myself yeah and so for me to go around and just vape or drink a beer or do any of these things the question isn't is it wrong the question is is it what Christ wants me to do? Right. And that made it... And I've changed so much. I really have since I moved to seminary. Because I used to be... I would have called myself weak or legalistic about four years ago. Really? <laughs> and if, no one probably would call me legalistic. Mm-hmm. But... That's our culture is so freedom motivated. We're free to die to Christ. And so that's... And that that and you know another thing that Elaine has done for me is not only make me love myself and fulfill me in that sense of I mean you understand you're married like no, to meet someone who loves you unconditionally yeah who you open your heart to completely and they love you they love you for the parts of you that you don't even I mean love even yourself. when you even when you scream at them and get mad yeah or 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 say a bad, or or say life. a bad word you know I'm. <laughs> I'm not perfect in my secret devotions, as the church covenant says. You know, I can get mad and say words I shouldn't. I can Mm -hmm. get mad and I can throw something. And she still loves me. Just like when I'm rebelling against Christ, he still loves me. And he's long-suffering. And, you know, and that's what the marriage covenant is. It's a symbol of how Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Yeah. And I see, I see that in my wife, how she loves me, how she, I don't want to say serves me, but how she loves me and she does things for me. And, and through that, you know, but I don't like to say I changed for her, but like her influence has definitely helped my secret devotions and hel- has helped my walk with Christ because it's not just about me anymore. It's about her. 
and I have to care for her, lay down my life for her. Like Christ did for the church. And so she's definitely, like, for instance, with music and movies, I've definitely cleaned up. Yeah. Not that I was... I could always justify what I was doing by a clear exposition of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to say I was necessarily in sin. Yeah. Because I could always justify. I wasn't just doing anything with a blind eye. Mm-hmm. But in the regards to what I've talked about. But she showed me that it's about denying yourself. And, you know, I may have the freedom in Christ to watch something, like a rated R movie. Right. Or, or I don't want to go too deep into that, because that's a whole hornet's nest I could unravel yeah, I, with I, this. I get but it. I get it, yeah. I'm trying. They know. People know. <laughs> yeah, for real. They but, do. They know. And Christian liberty itself can become an addiction. Yeah. And I'm and I'm going because I know there's always a young preacher who's struggling with Christian liberty. That seems like a, a weird thing to struggle with, but it's intoxicating. And next thing you know, you've ruined your ministry. Yeah. Because you got drunk on Christian liberty, mm-hmm. put with a play on word. But I think the closer we go to Christ, the more we think, okay, what can I do for Christ? And how can I better serve those he's given under me? Yeah. And like I said, if I'm disqualified in my ministry, I can't pay my bills. Yeah. And that's that thing where you can't, you're, you're all in. Mm-hmm. When you're getting paid to be a minister, you're all in. You're all in. <laughs> if I screw up because I want to do something my flesh wants to do, mm-hmm. it ain't just about me anymore. I've got a pregnant wife now who needs me to be the best version of myself, yeah. who needs me to really manifest Christ in me. So I can love her the way she needs. I can provide for her and my my baby, yeah. and I can also serve my serve my church. So I can walk up that pulpit like that old preacher in, in old England who says, "A lamb led to the slaughter." Yeah. I have to be able to be as 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 clean a sacrifice as I can try to be for God to use me in my ministry and to lead my family. And Elena really showed me how. Truly, when a man gets responsibility, when a man isn't just, is just about himself, there's nothing more selfish than a 27-year-old bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's crazy, you know? Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm restricted. I feel like I'm liberated because I don't have to worry about just fulfilling my needs. I just care for my wife best I can. And in doing so, I become, I'm at the height of my Christianity. And I'm not trying to glory in myself. It's just the honest truth. Yeah, my wife yeah, and true. my marriage, and the Catholic Church calls the marriage covenant, the marriage a sacrament, that we receive grace. The sacrament is something that induces grace to you. And obviously, I disagree with the sacramental theology. True, yeah. But I see the, the metaphor in that. I have received grace through my marriage. And that only increased when she threw that pregnancy test on me one Sunday morning before I'm going to preach (laughs) and woke me up. And I had to really wrestle with that. Because at the time, I was not pastoring. I was not a full-time salary pastor. That scared us all. Um, I was full-time seminary student. I was, we were living on a campus in an apartment. 
very, you've seen our apartments, very small. Very, very small. <laughs> and I was a part-time overnight worker at a gym. Planet Fitness. At Planet Fitness. <laughs> I was just overnights. I, well, it was $9 an hour. Looking back. 32 hours a week. It yeah. was not rolling in the dough. Just, um, just looking back, you know, just a few months ago, man. I mean, yeah, I to went, when, just looking back to when the pregnancy test, when Elena showed you, hey, we're having a child. Mm -hmm. And to where God has led you to this moment. Is it just not humbling? Is it oh, not, yeah. Is I it mean, not just, there? truly there is a God, you know, from one point oh, to another. Oh, yeah, because I mean, we. Such a small amount of time. The the Lord got so opened up so many, like you know, in the I think one of the minor prophets talked about if you tithe, mm -hmm. the storerooms of heaven open, so to speak, or something that that nature. Another thing, I, I tithe now every week because yeah. of her. I was always really hesitant to tithe because, in that level of my sanctification and discipleship, I hadn't surrendered that yet. Yeah. I was so used to not having enough money. That I justified, oh, and when I'm always preaching somewhere, it's easy to forget and justify not doing it. But she insists every week that we tithe to where now it's normal. Mm -hmm. It's normal to drop that check in the offering plate. And, you know, because my wife is bringing out the best in me and my church is watching me, I'm becoming a better Christian. Mm -hmm. But where was I going with that? Where was I? Oh, um, yeah, for, literally I went from unhappiness depression, looking, always daydreaming, looking forward to what's to come to like that it happened. Yeah. And with, uh, within about 10 months from that depressed guy in Planet Fitness khakis vaping mm -hmm. outside looking at the stars at four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just in a, in a rut. <laughs> you know, maintaining the faith, maintaining good works, but in a rut, depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, excuse me, obviously a sinner saved by grace who makes mistakes. To 10 months later, I'm a pastor, full-time, salaried the dream, which is, you know, in the ABA work, I never thought my first church I'd be full-time. It's a blessing right. to I can fully focus on my ministry and my, my schooling. Excuse me. So I went from that to a pastor, father, and a husband in 10 months. I didn't. I didn't know Elena ten months ago. Yeah. And so. And so it just it's really and, and we just we've never been paycheck to paycheck. The Lord always either we got three we've gotten probably probably gotten three stimulus checks, and our income tax and the church that called me to pastor and so the Lord really took care of us. I'm sorry, my nose keeps itching terribly. Oh, that's fine. And so the Lord took care of us. And people told us we were crazy for getting married. Mm -hmm. Crazy for having a baby so early. And and it was. It was crazy. It, it is crazy. I but mean, it, the Lord, no about that. The Lord took care of us. And I really had to wrestle. I had to wrestle because... Oh, Elena comes from a different... My nose is itchy. <laughs> Elena came from a... I like oh such a culture change even for me like I was raised vaccines are good yeah no yeah. birth control's good and homeschooling I wasn't I was raised in public school and so now you know I know there are good public schools and bad ones but I yeah. I I believe in homeschooling 
and I didn't used to. I never would have thought I'd ever be into <laughs> homeschooling, but, you know, I, I see it as the best option for my family. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's got to make their own decision on that. Yeah. And just because your kids are in public school don't mean you can't lead in the Lord. Yeah. You have to be proactive either way. And that's why I wanted to talk to you yeah. about that earlier. You know, about and, yeah. And I've always mistrusted vaccines, but to the, um, what was the other one I mentioned? The vaccines and... Uh, and yeah, we don't, um, you know, she didn't want to be, she didn't want to use birth control. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. of the hormones and mm-hmm. that stuff and that, which that scared the, the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm like, I'm going to be a pastor. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, last I checked, I'm not in the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. Like, I'm not going to do a lot of money. <laughs> And I really listened to a lot of preaching about the blessing of having kids and the yeah. blessing and the, the, you know, the history of birth control. And obviously using birth control isn't a sin, but I had to ask myself, you know, the same question I asked about the yeah. other things. Is it beneficial for my walk with Christ? And she, she showed me and I listened to preaching also. It was the Holy Spirit that for me and my family, you know, we're, we're doing the natural family planning and that's still crazy in our world yeah, to yeah, talk about. In our world today, it is, yes. And, you know, so she has, I guess she has inadvertently changed me. But I've always came to those conclusions independently with her. Mm-hmm. Not... Together. Not subservently changing for her. Mm-hmm. But listening to her arguments, listening to preaching, and making a, a decision that I see lining up the best, in my opinion, the Bible. And so I've definitely changed a lot, but I don't understand why some people don't want to get married. Yeah. Because. That's something I'll never understand. I'm so happy. Marriage is awesome. Yes, we fight. Yes, we bicker. But marriage has been a blessing. Even as, I'll even say it's been almost like a sacrament in my life. Yeah. I'm just in a point, I'm in a high, a high moment in my life. And I'm sure eventually I'll go. I'll dip dip down some mm-hmm. more. But you I'm gonna back through the valley. Yeah, I'm I'm at a point where God has just sh- opened the heavens gate, so to speak, and just poured out all the fruit I've been working towards. Yeah. When I was, you know, just depressed and crying in my bed, <laughs> you know, where is my wife going to come from? When am I going to have my fruit of all my work I'm doing for ministry? Why? And I, I remember I would ask God and I would, I would confess to my friends, like, why is God taking so long with my life? Mm-hmm. Why is he, why are other people coming to seminary and churches snatch them up and they're youth pastors? Yeah. I had to work two years to get licensed almost. And, and then, you know, I was jealous of my roommate because he came to seminary, church snatched him up, gave him a youth group uh, position and licensed him. Wow. And, you know, I was, and looking back, you know, I guess there's worse things to covet, but covet just is still a sin. And so mm-hmm. I was in a place where I was just, I felt like God was taking too long in my life. And so, but then in a matter of, he'll reward faithfulness. And I always, you know, no matter where I was in my walk, I was always moving forward towards yeah. believing he was going to repay and and give me the fruit thereof. You know, I'm sowing, you know, the scripture that says, you know, um, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, so shall he reapeth or reap. Right. And so I just kept sowing and pursuing eternal things. And I, I would, because I wasn't, I also really wasn't, I would pursue 
potential women while I was at seminary. But a lot of times I just had to tell myself, seek ye first kingdom of God and he'll add all these things unto you. Yeah. For he knows what you need. And so that was my philosophy. If I'll keep seeking the kingdom of God and seek it first, he'll give me the desires of my heart that he placed there that are good desires that he wants me to have. But if I focus my attention on seeking what I want and not what he wants, I may find things that he doesn't intend for me that I don't need. They're destructive. And so I was always trying to, I was always seeking my wife. I was always seeking the ministry. Whether I was walking the best or I was backsliding, I was always chasing, you know that Matthew McConaughey, um, he, he said it's at the Emmys. I love Matthew McConaughey. And he oh, said, does, who doesn't? He said, you know, he said, my hero is it these great men. My hero is me five years from today. Yeah. And I'm going to keep chasing him. And in five years, who's my hero? It's me 10 years from now. Mm. It's always me. I'll never reach my goal, he says, but I'll always ha- always have something to chase, someone mm. to chase, and we need that. And that was my, and I would listen to that, motivational speakers, you know, what you feed yourself mm. will fertilize you. And I was, I, I, that stayed with me. And I heard him say that back when I was still in my hometown, you know, who am I chasing? Obviously, we're chasing Christ, but I'm yeah, I'm using it yeah. in a different way. We should be developing ourselves, and that was what I was always doing: was pursuing, trying to pursue righteousness. Yeah. And as you grow closer to Christ, you know he he continuously shows you how to be righteous. And and my views on Christian liberty will continue to evolve and change. Sure. But the principle of all things are permissible but all, not all things are beneficial, is really the source of the thing. Like, I I had a woman ask me at a job I worked at, you know, is it a sin to smoke marijuana? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bible don't mention it, but... Yeah. And I knew what she was seeking. And the legalistic interpretive answer was not what she wanted. So I asked, I, I said that, I don't know. My question is, why do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. What what in you are you not getting from God that you're trying to find in other things? And so I found a lot of that, a lot of that, what I needed was Jesus. And what I needed was my wife. Because God, Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. And the Bible says, you know, so even for ministers, for requirements to be a pastor, now, it's not saying you got to be married, but it's saying the husband of one wife because God wants us to get married. Unless we're blessed like Paul, and most men are not, mm-hmm. he wants us, he has someone for us, and we should pursue that person in his will. And for for a future minister like yourself, your wife's going to be a huge blessing for you. Yeah. And, she already is. And what's funny thing is, I knew what I wanted and what I was pursuing and I did all of it. I, I had actually, one of my pet dreams was to work at Planet Fitness. I tried in my hometown really? and actually fulfilled it. Huh. I wanted to get married before I pastored my first church. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of those pastors who has to awkwardly go on dates when he's a pastor. Yeah, and yeah. Get, goodness, getting some smooches and you're a pastor. It's, it's weird, <laughs> you know, you know. I sure, it happens, though. <laughs> it does. And, but everything I wanted, it actually happened. I met my wife, got married before I pastored. I, I had my 
my fitness job at a gym and I, I and just when you seek first the kingdom of God, he, he'll it, take yeah. care of you. Yeah. And, you know, he is long suffering, even when we're stupid and we're developing and we're growing. And yeah, that's where my journey's been. And now I'm a father. It's gotten much worse in the sense of, <laughs> in, the, in the sense of, you know, I have to live right for him, not just myself, not just my wife, and not just for Jesus anymore. I have to live right for my son. You know, if if I'm an absent father, but a great pastor, I failed. That's right, yeah. I can't, or or if I give so much to my family that my church fails, I'm, I failed. Mm-hmm. It's got to be balance, but and I'm still going to learn how to make that balance. And, um, but yeah, because, you know... Nothing about the Christian liberty. You know, the Christian liberty is great, but yeah. we got I, some Christians need to ask themselves, do you want your son to follow in that Christian liberty? Is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. I'm preaching now. I don't mean to preach. This no, would be an, interpret- at a, an interview, but, <laughs> you know, there's a whole, you know, obviously when you're giving your testimony behind the pulpit, you, you sanitize it a little oh, bit, yeah. you know, oh, but, yeah, but, you know, this is just the truth. You know, yeah. we all have a, a journey and a story and, your story's incredible, man. And I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk. Just to just to make it clear, I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> I chose to deny myself for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. I don't believe it's right for me. Yeah. I'm free of nicotine. <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> for anyone. Um. <laughs> but I think it's amazing, you know, your journey from being a kid who's, you know, born and raised in church, mm-hmm. missionary Baptist ABA, missionary yeah. Baptist ABA, and to take that journey as a young man to uh, try and find yourself. You know, because we all go down that road. We all question. Uh, some, like you, I mean, our hearts may have went this same distance, but, you know, I mean, you know, you took it to a, a different direction. I took mine in a different mm-hmm. direction. Either way, we were both looking. As young men, we were looking for for an answer who we are and, and, who, and just don't who, be surprised at how much you'll change as you get older yeah because when i was your age i was a completely different person yeah the person i was when i was 23 would hate who i am today like i would make fun of christians who would try to listen to censored music now really? i now i try to censor my music yeah i tr- I, I i'm not necessarily perfect nor am i legalistic but you know that's just an example i, I would have you know i'll try i like i like the band papa roach right Oh yeah, and I'll try, and I I find the censored albums. Yeah, and because I don't want to listen, I don't want to constantly be programming my brain with profanity, mm-hmm. and which that whole concept, you know, I would have scoffed at myself as a closed-minded traditionalist. Yeah, literally two years, literally probably ten months ago. But it's amazing how much we change. Exactly, you know, and when, when the Lord really works and intervenes and in getting married and and. You know, people don't realize this, but they're a lot of people. They're so scared of marriage. They're so scared of that commitment. They're, they're so scared of change. Mm-hmm. But that change, at least in mine and your, you know, experience, has been for yeah. the utmost better. Now the difference is, though, that's what I told I, what I would tell Elena. Um, I'm not changing for you. Yeah. And that yeah, that used to hurt her feelings because she would tell me how. We won't say any details. How your dad made changes for for Miss Kim. Yeah. And 
my mindset was I want to change how the Holy Spirit leads me to change. I don't want to just change artificially for you, especially on these, you know, non-essential issues. Um, I, I told her, I want to change as the Holy Ghost leads me to change in my walk with Him. It just, she won't let me leave it down, but it just, it just happens for mostly mm. Holy Ghost changed me the way she wanted me to change. But <laughs> it was an integrity Sounds like thing. you're almost fighting it a little bit. No, I just... <laughs> No, but that's I, what, I she, that's what she says. But yeah. I didn't change for her. The Holy yeah. Ghost just did a work in my life, and He really did. Like He True. really led me to be a new a, a, a new creature. And even your brother has said it at school to me. You know, all things become new, and that's not just for Christians. Yeah, I mean, not just for lost people when they get saved. If we're continuously walking after Jesus, we continuously become new creatures yeah. as He does a work in us, and that's fruit, that's actually a fruit of salvation. I'm more afraid of those Christians who never change. <laughs> yeah, who stick in their ways. And yeah, because, you know. I know there's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian, but you know what I mean mm-hmm. by a lukewarm Christian. I know? think there can be to a degree. Yeah. You can backslide to a degree. Yeah. But walking in continual sin, void of the Spirit's work, is a completely different story. And that was most of my childhood, was void of the Spirit, but I had religion. Yeah. I had the true religion but lack the power thereof, as the Bible says. I had an appearance of godliness, but lack the power. And um, I, 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 I use the King James Bible, but I use other translations in my sure. studies. And so there's one translation that says that, that verse, and it says, those who have an appearance of religion, but lack the power that would make them godly. Because hmm. that's a translation that tries to get the thought for thought. Right. And so they're, they're helpful commentators, if you will. To a more literal, like what I used to preach and teach, do my general read, which is the King James Bible. But, yeah. but I love, and I even will quote that in my sermons. You know, when, when Christians don't have any kind of fruit to match the profession they made, maybe you have an appearance of religion, but lack the power that will make you godly. And as I've gotten older, it's just more godliness. And I'm not bragging; it's all God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all I Jesus mean, and yeah. my lovely wife who. Who, who, who brings the best with, out of me. Yeah, he can, it's amazing what, how he can form us to be the vessel he wants us mm-hmm. to be. You know, even so rapidly, so quickly. I mean, I, I mean, look at me. A year ago, I would have never thought I'd be a preacher. A year ago, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like getting married. And, and what I was going to say earlier is marriage, at least in my experience, it fixed so many problems. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the... You know, it builds that fire in you and it causes temptation and everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, just to be real, those temptations are real. Mallory and I face those temptations, mm-hmm. but luckily we we prayed and we got through them, even though we were, you know, we had almost a almost a three year long uh, dating, you know, or courtship, whatever you whatever you want to call it. Well, but, I say courtship because me and Elena, we really didn't date. We jumped very quickly. No, she, jumped very quickly. She wanted me yeah. to elope the first day we became official. Mm. <laughs> so Well when you know we you really know. courted and yeah. um we were we were older than other people and so we were at that stage where I mean goodness, yeah I'll be thirty. Who wants to have our having kids when they're thirty? Hey, there's a lot of people and I know, out there. Yeah. And no no dog anyone who does that. Sure, but sure, sure. I'm already at twenty eight. I'm gonna be Mr. Fred, I'm gonna oh, be yeah. I'm gonna be in my fifties having be kids. Like dad. <laughs> I'm gonna be an old dad, and so yeah. 
for my life, it was a blessing for it to move so quick. Because, yeah. goodness, when I'm eight, when I'm when I'm forty five, I think forty five. Samuel will be eighteen. Are you excited about so Samuel? I'll only be able to take one of my sons to the weight room, probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> at that point, that'll probably be the end of my my peak. <laughs> but what do you and Elena think about right now? Well, I know we only got a few more minutes, but mm-hmm. what? How, you know, be, knowing that there's a boy on the way, your first kid, has that changed you? I mean, he's not even born yet, but from the moment you found out to now... What have you been thinking? What are you and Elena? I don't want. I don't want to get too personal. Don't 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 get me wrong about that. Have I been too personal? No 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 no. Don't don't think <laughs> no, I'm trying no. to pull yeah, out some a private conversation. Uh, no. I was just, you know, as a young man, how how does that? How do you feel well, knowing that your kid's on the way? It was much more scarier uh, about two months ago. Really? When I was working part time, nine books an hour, yeah. full time student, and. I'm going to have a baby. (laughs) And so, but it's a blessing to have children and you're never really ready. And uh, it's hard to explain. I listen to a lot of preaching on the blessing of having children. Um, I just seek ye first kingdom of God. That was one of the sermons I listened to. And I was like, well, I just, the Lord, I'm like, Lord, where is my church yet? And I, you know what I'm needing, Lord. And I remember I prayed that one day. I was in my bed about to go to sleep for my day shift. And for my night shift, I mean. Because I was working. I was sleeping during the day. And the second I got done praying and laid down, I had a pastor call me from, uh, I think it's Logan Mission Rabbit's Church, to come fill in for one of their fellowship days. Yeah. Because they have a TBI student come and preach on that day to give them support. And I went and I preached. I get fellowship. And then I had a woman ask me after my sermon, are you looking to pastor because my cousin has a church and they're in need of a pastor? And it was Marshall Missionary Baptist Church where I'm pastoring today. Yeah. And, you know, I went home. I was playing some Elder Scrolls online, you know, take, taking my preaching clothes off. Like it's, it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm off the clock. Yeah. yeah. And I get a call from, the, from the, my, my current deacon, and he says, you want to come preach a call? View of a call. They didn't even know me yet. Wow. They were off me a view of viewing of a call, which that means when you come to preach and they're going to interview you or to hear you preach the purpose of, are you going to be our pastor? True. Job so, interview. And, basically, but yeah. I didn't get the, it wasn't the question answers yet. It was just, right, yeah. that was, it, it wasn't a feeling. It was in view of a call. Mm-hmm. And now the Lord just kept blessing us and with good, with supportive, good family and just, just rewarding faithfulness. And so it just, now I'm assuming, you know, there, there'll be hard times to come in marriage and ministry, but we're at a point right now where we were in a point where God just stepped in, took care of us. And my life came together like that. And that's why my mom was sobbing at the altar when I got yeah. ordained because, you know, she saw me when I was nothing and was just praying for me to get my life together. She's watched how God has exactly. formed you, changed you. And... You know. Elena played a large role in God's working with me. That's awesome. And that's a huge blessing in my life. I mean, from my issues with Christian liberty and my addiction to nicotine to my, my, with my struggles with Calvinism. Yeah. Her prayers, her <laughs> criticism, her 
she just a large part. Every they say every great man behind him is a great woman. That's right. And Elena's a, Elena's a great woman, and I she can aggravate the fire out of me, <laughs> but I never want to leave her. She's all yeah. she is my one flesh, and I mean that in the biblical sense of she is mine. She we are one, and I was thinking the other day we were walking on the tractor supply like. Ten months ago, I never thought I'd be milking a goat. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> no. raw goat milk in my coffee. <laughs> Going to the tractor supply to buy sweet feed. And I'm thinking, as I'm pushing the stupid buggy up the hill to tractor supply mm. in Mejia, I'm thinking, it's so weird how it, I, it doesn't seem weird to always go everywhere with her. Yeah. Like, she's always by my side. It's literally like <clears throat> we're one person. It doesn't feel restrictive. It doesn't feel like... I never had personal time, and I have my my private time where right. I go to the office and I study and my my and. But marriage is such a beautiful thing. It real. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sound pious or anything, <laughs> but it, it really is like it, people. Uh, the world paints it like it's the, it's it's a prison sentence. Yeah. Right. You know, when you're done with your your partying, your fornication, then you settle down. In your thirties. In your thirties, mm-hmm. when you're, and that's what the world wants. They don't want Christians having kids. Yeah. But. I mean, if you're a Christian, the goal should be marriage. The goal should be a family. Unless you're a special person created like Paul who wanted to get himself fully to the work and didn't... That's a grace in Paul's life. But Christians, they should want to start families. They should want to get find a wife. They should want that. Absolutely. And... Been kind of we've had a long little podcast here, but that's that's basically my hey, it's life. Been and, awesome, man. and I'm 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 looking forward to how much more I change in God's plan. And you know, maybe if we keep doing podcasts together, you'll we'll, we'll most see. Certainly, man. Maybe I flip flop on some issues again. Who knows? <laughs> but no. Well, I'm, you know, you know, this <laughs> podcast, you know, it's going to be awesome because one day we're going to look back ten years, fifteen, if 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 it's possible, twenty years from now. Listen to this podcast and remember the moment. Mm-hmm. Remember how we're feeling because you know it's kind of like a picture. You can't, you can, you can remember it and everything, but once you see it, once you hold it, mm-hmm. once you listen to it, once you see yourself, hear yourself, you revert back to wow. Like I remember going through that. I remember feeling that way. I remember going through those motions. And today, hearing your story, you know, your life of who you are from what you were to the to the highs to the lows to where you are today is is inspiring and i hope that it's like romans 9 about paul says in the vessels made absolutely oh, yeah. potter and you know what the potter can do with the clay and broken yeah. vessels and so it's just it's it's been an absolute blessing i i honestly i didn't think this podcast would go half as well as it did today. And I'm well, honestly, because I didn't know what, what to expect, you mm-hmm. know, because, you know, it's just, you just never know. It feels a lot like preaching, I'll be honest to you. Oh, yeah, and it, and it really is. Because I was very nervous, but but when you, well, it just it just comes out, you know, I yeah. think this is a really good ministry you've started, so. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, and you're more than welcome to come on anytime. Hey, man, if you have a thought if you have something you want to present or whatever, you are more than welcome to be on this podcast and just mm-hmm. just whatever's on your heart, you know, you can lay it out there. And I'm I encourage more people to do podcasts like these, get their message out. But Jeremy, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I love you, man. I'm glad we um we actually got a time to sit down and talk. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I know it's kind of weird, you know, us not us not talking, you know, just not on a podcast, you know, I, mm-hmm. but just being sitting here drinking a cup of coffee with you for two or three hours, however long it's been, it's it's been a blast hearing your story and, and getting to know you a little bit better. Yep. But thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate you, man. I hope your ministry goes well. It will go well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're praying for you and Elena and and Samuel and one of these days Samuel's gonna hear this and hear us talk about him you know you know daddy used to vape <laughs> what's vaping daddy he'll be homeschooled he ain't gonna know nothing no, that's but. right that's right Jeremy thank you so much for being on the show man I appreciate it love you man what can I say something to the sure yeah yeah um I'm Pastor Marshall Missionary Baptist Church, and if anyone's in the Marshall, Marshall, Texas area and needs a church to come to, you know, Google us, Marshall Missionary Baptist Church, and we're on Facebook. And so, God bless everybody. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, folks, thank you for listening. I know it was a long one, but I, I know you'll get a blessing out of it. I hope you listen to Jeremy's story and get something out of it. I'm Landon Barrios, and this is By the Campfire with the Barrioses. Thank you all so much.